0: You know, Zach? Yeah? At 19, they can card you in the bars and tell you to get the fuck out, put your sorry act, and sorry your ass back on the street, but they can't card you when you sit down to paint a picture, write a poem, or tell a story. That's an excerpt from Stephen King's The Gunslinger Revised Edition on being 19 years old, which this podcast is.
1: 19 years old. Is this episode 19? Yeah. Ah. You know, I feel like this in many ways will be the most important episode. Yep, I also agree.
0: I'm sad the Dark Tower podcast couldn't have been on this one.
1: We, We tried so hard to make it work. Yeah. We even talked about splitting an episode in two. Like I, But there I, was just too many. I
0: considered, like, just making a podcast of me talking to myself for five minutes and calling that, like, 17 or something, but nah. Won't gonna happen.
1: Yeah.
0: It's fine.
1: Yeah.
0: So. So. How's life? How are you doing? I'm okay. That's I'm, good. uh, I'm good. It's my birthday in four days
1: It is I saw you tweet about a birthday card And went is this birthday today But it wasn't
0: No my sister just jumped the gun Nice so excited to give you that card Yeah I know Birthdays stop being As exciting when you like Work
1: Yeah And it's
0: just like oh I'm gonna start becoming older And my body is gonna start falling apart And I'm gonna look like the people on the street
1: and at least, like, on my part, it's, like, it, it it becomes an obligation on my end that I have to celebrate my birthday.
0: <laughs> I thought you were going to say it became an obligation you had to celebrate your friend's birthday. <laughs> uh, well, I mean... I mean, honestly, that kind of, too, you
1: know? Yeah, but, like, I, th- as I've gotten older, things like birthdays and Christmas, I kind of wish I could just opt out of. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Like, no one give me anything, and I won't give you anything. That's, I, see, I try doing that, and then, like,
0: people will do shit anyways, and that's like, oh.
1: Yeah, it never
0: works. Yeah, so. People are too charitable. Yeah, fuck them. I know. It's bad. It is. Also, too, like, I'm in this awkward state where it's like, okay, you, you did the 21 thing, and it's like... The next one, the next big one is like thirty, I guess. And
1: thirty, like once you get past the twenty-one, all the milestones are bad. Yeah. Like you're you're thirty, you wish you were twenty. You're forty, you wish you were thirty. Yeah. You're fifty, you wish you were forty. Sixteen just held such better days. Yeah, and I don't know about you, but I'm feeling twenty-two.
0: Oh no. I'm I'm feeling twenty-four, but that's another story.
1: Uh, better um, change your Twitch username.
0: No, this, two is just my lucky number.
1: Oh well, what about twenty-two?
0: It's two twos.
1: Is that twice as
0: fuck? This joke.
1: Can we get to the podcast? It's not a
0: joke. That's why I did it. So I watched Twin Peaks season one. Yeah, um, I think
1: we've talked about starting it.
0: Yeah. No, I the last the last podcast was all about Twin Peaks. Yeah. Kind of not really. It was also about Rabbids, but uh yeah, Twin Peaks season 1, I liked it actually quite a bit. Um that show has one major problem. What's that? Some of those actors are not cut from the same cloth as the other actors. <laughs> Some of those people are clearly struggling theater people that they managed to squeeze into a television show, and it, I think it gives, like, a unique charm and character to the show, but also there are some scenes that it's kind of, kind of feels like maybe could have gone better if there were different folks involved, which is a bit of a shame. But, uh, like, you know, not gonna lie, I, I'm i watching the show for all, like, the dumb weird bullshit that, like, it's kind of famous for now, but, like... It had a start middle and end, you know. It it told a like I guess like weird police procedural drama thing with some supernatural elements and like it leaves off on a really egregious cliffhanger.
2: Mm.
0: But like it it was kind of nice to watch something. I've been in the mood for something that's kind of slower, honestly not going to lie. I I think I I think I referenced that last time I was talking about the show, but It really hit home for me in that regard, and also it was just nice seeing a show where it's like, oh, all the different pieces add up to, like, some big climax, and shit gets
2: done. Uh,
0: yeah, I mean, like, the one guy gets arrested. There's still, like, a bunch of shit open, but, like, there's clearly, like, one little, like, arc for the first season there that, like, leads up to, like, an arrest, and there's, like, this character moment where some, like... Or, fuck, what's it, Andy, like, shoots the guy, and it's like, yeah, it's great.
1: I guess. Uh, to be fair, I, like I said last time, it's been a long time since I watched it, but, uh, There's yeah. still a shit ton of crap left open.
0: Well, well, yeah. Oh, also, I figured I might as well throw it in there, because, like, we talked about this last time, there's a correction. So, like, we were both half right on the killer thing where apparently the thing was that he did decide spontaneously to have that set dresser guy be the killer. What the studios forced was not for him to reveal the killer, it was to wrap up that storyline and move on to other things. So, yeah. But you know what's even better than Twin Peaks? What? Jaden Smith's new career launching... He already has a career, he doesn't need anything extra, honestly... Uh, Jaden Smith's new hit drama TV series, Neo Yokio, now on Netflix platforms.
1: So, I have one thing to say about... Well, one thing to start off with this one. Yeah. When people started talking about this, they were acting like Jaden Smith wrote and directed the fucking thing. Yeah. He's just acting in it.
0: Yeah. But, I mean, it was... I don't think Neo Yokio exists without Jaden Smith, though. Uh, sure, okay. I don't know. I don't know what else could propel this thing,
2: <laughs>
0: which is weird to say because he fucking sucks. Well, I mean, he can't voice act. It's terrible. It's guess really what? He bad. can't
1: act either.
0: Yeah. Now remember Karate Kid?
1: Yeah. After I, Earth? I, yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah! After the classic hit. Yep. Sci-fi mega hit. Sci-fi.
0: I That Karate Kid one kills me specifically because he looks like he's, like, seven. Yeah. And, and like, he's just beating the shit out of other children, and it's actually kind of hard to watch. Because at least the original Karate Kid, you got, like, some 17-year-old asshole, and it's like, yeah, he's he's up there enough. He can drive.
1: Yeah. Definitely. I mean, maybe not that old, but he was felt older for I sure. I thought
0: he could drive. Could he? I don't know. Maybe. Mm. No, I'm just thinking of the fact that the one Mr. Miyagi owned cars. Yeah. Oh well.
1: He also, like, painted, like, a house, too. He owns a house.
0: Yeah. Iconic scene.
1: Anyway, how's neo Yokia?
0: Uh, I've only watched the first two episodes. I enjoyed them both, but also, like, they're... So I don't even want to say the show is bad. The show is just, like, really average, but it's stupid enough that, like, I'm gonna keep watching it and probably finish it. Um, It's that fine line between being dumb enough and knowing that it's dumb enough to, like, kind of be, like... Like, it's kind of taking the piss out of itself, but also I think the show thinks that it... I think the show thinks that it's smarter than it actually is in that <laughs> regard. Like, yeah, you made a thing and it's dumb on purpose, but also like it's still really dumb in ways that I don't think they're quite seeing. Um, like one of my favorite parts of the show right now is that there's a rival character named Archangelo instead of just yeah. Angelo and he's great but also too just the way that he interacts and the way his dialogue is written is just kind of like bad it's <laughs> it's not like particularly funny it's it's it really it's just kind of there it's hard to describe um there's a really great scene where Jaden Smith like berates some man for spraying cheap perfume on his dead wife's grave mm. uh there's a scene where this one like very southern opera singer girl turns into a flaming skull demon and gets into a fight it's really goofy and weird and bizarre also like as many anime references as you would probably want in there like the very first episode starts with someone in a akira motorcycle almost running someone over there's a bunch of sailor moon references Jaden yeah. Smith has a Gundam Butler. Um,
1: I will probably never watch this show.
0: It's You don't need to, to be honest. I,
1: I will say, one moment that you missed, and uh we, we were in a Skype call with a bunch of people, and uh, Antonomi, who is, you know, fr- friend of the show, friend Antonomi. Friend of Jaden Smith. Friend of, yeah, Jaden Smith, Antonomi, was telling us about one of the jokes in it. And. When he said the punchline of the joke, exactly half the call erupted in, like, hilarious fits of laughter, and the other half was dead silent.
0: Uh, yeah, that's probably about what this is at.
1: Yeah. For what it's worth, I was laughing,
0: but. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's some very specific pulls in here, too. Like, really weird, like, New York fashion. <laughs> pulls and shit that it's mm-hmm. like this is this is clearly like going in you know and like I don't even think this is a show entirely for me I think this is for no one in some ways it's for
1: Jaden Smith
0: yeah yeah to be honest I hope there's
1: a season 2
0: I haven't finished season 1 yet I know but like I want to see how far this can go
1: I feel like people have talked about it enough that there will be a Season 2, but I don't think that Season 2 will be a big hit.
0: Yeah, probably. I have four more episodes to go, so...
1: Eh, Better finish it up before Stranger Things hits.
0: Yep. Oh, God, that's soon.
1: Yeah, at the end of this month.
0: Cautiously optimistic, but... mm.
1: Same. So, you know what else is average... Something that you will never be able to afford?
3: Yeah.
0: Thanks, shoutouts to Ninto for, for posting on, I'm pretty sure it was the latest Breath of the Wild LP, the quote of me saying, yeah, PlayStation VR seems cool, but I'll never be able to afford that shit. So, my boys at Amazon (laughs) decided to put the PlayStation VR on sale, Now I was like, yeah, fuck it. Well, actually, no. There's a very specific reason that I said, yeah, fuck it, that I should clarify. So, I woke up one morning, and I was kind of running late to work, but I noticed I had like four text messages, and I was kind of like, yeah, something probably happened at TGS, whatever. Showered, ate breakfast, ran out the door, got to work, started doing work stuff. About an hour into my shift, I looked down at my phone and was like, oh yeah, what were all those texts about? And then I saw someone just posted Zone of the Enders 2 PS4 Remake and then linked to the trailer. And what I wasn't expecting was for the trailer to start in first person. (laughs) And I went, huh. And then the trailer revealed that the big gimmick for this PSVR remaster, other than the fact that it's going to be in 4K, is that it has VR support.
1: Yeah, well, you just fucked up and said PSVR remaster. so... Yeah, I just wanted to point that out. Oh yeah, I mean, you spoiled you spoiled the the reveal. It's I'm so excited, you know. No one knows about.
0: Yeah, yep. No one's no one paid attention to this trailer. <laughs> yeah, we're the only. We're, this is breaking news. Uh, so yeah, that was actually like that's kind of the thing where I was looking at it like, huh? I don't know how that works for that video game, but that's kind of like. I don't want to say childhood dream come true because like it it isn't because like I didn't know, I didn't give a fuck about zone of the enders until like maybe a year and a half ago to be completely honest, but like, I've kind of fallen in love with it ever since. But granted, if I was like 10 and had played those games for the first time, I know it would have been something I would have been all over, you know? So
1: yeah, you're, you're a mech guy.
0: Yeah. And like, I have been ever since G Gundam. And Zone of the Enders 2 is definitively one of the greatest mecha action video games ever created.
1: It's great. It's by Hideo Kojima, you know? For anyone that doesn't know. Yeah. So, apparently there's a thing with that where he's
0: actually a little bit less involved with those two games than people tend to lead on.
2: Mm.
0: From what I've talked... Like, I've talked to some people that are, like, real big fans of it or whatever, and apparently, like, the... I think there's like, another guy that directed it, and, like, there's a bunch of signs pointing to the fact that, like, he might have been a little bit more of the main guy, but, like, it's Konami, and why the fuck wouldn't you put Kojima's name for, you know
1: what I mean? (laughs) Yeah, why the fuck wouldn't Konami put Kojima's game? Yep. Uh, Good. Guys, this is, oh, this is a good one. This is gonna be a good one, (laughs) yep. Let's, let's start from the top. Why the fuck wouldn't Konami want to put Kojima's name on a video game? Yeah. Hey, it was a Metal Gear Solid 5 joke all along. Yeah. But also, to be fair,
0: Kojima does fucking love mechs. Uh, you don't say. Yeah. So, um... So, yeah. Like, he, he did it, in fact, have it influenced on his own of the Enders. And, like, let's be real, like... Well, y- you don't know this, but... The dialogue of those games are very kojima And also, yeah, I've
1: never played them. So
0: yeah, if you've never seen them before, they feel they feel exactly like they belong in Metal Gear Solid Two. Really? It the aesthetics are so similar, it's baffling. And also, too, this this is just the um fact too that uh the reason Zone of the Enders One got popular was not because that game was great, because it was kind of an average game. <laughs> Zone of the Enders 1 was packaged for the demo disc of Metal Gear Solid 2. Yeah. Um, But you can feel it. It feels like when you look at cutscenes from the game, it's like, yeah, this is the same engine as MGS 2 and 3. It feels exactly like those. Which yeah. is a little weird, because they like giant robots breaking shit and all that, but it it has the same type of visual design and like UI elements and stuff too. It is very specifically like that era Konami high budget game. So, that's pretty neat.
1: Yeah, it's exciting cuz obviously I really like Metal Gear Solid too.
0: Yeah. And other than that I don't know, I'm just looking forward to it. But uh when I saw that PlayStation VR was like 100 bucks off, I was like, "Hmm." hmm hmm and i just said "Eh, i fucking i just ordered it because you know what i need sometimes you just need to treat yourself
1: yeah i mean that's true for sure i'm 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 a man that has bought figures and a thousand dollar computer so so i understand here's the
0: problem though This also happened about a week after the fact that I wanted to hook up my PS3 one day. And my, okay, so here's, here's some more background info on this. My old computer, er, sorry, old TV at this point is something I've had since, like, sophomore year of high school. Uh, crappy 720p monitor that, like, most games, the borders get cut off because most modern PS4 games don't even fucking support 720p outputs anymore. Overwatch and P5 were really bad about it, actually. Yeah. Uh, to the point where, actually not gonna lie, I kind of started playing P5 through my capture card window on my computer. Mm-hmm. Um, just because, like, the pause menu looked real bad. Um, So, I went to hook in my HDMI... And I've had this issue for, like, probably the last two years now where I would go to, like, plug in my PS3 and I'd have to, like, unplug and replug in the HDMI to, like, any of the numerous ports on my TV multiple times before the signal would go through. So, for whatever reason this morning, it took about 15 times for it to connect. And I just kind of went, okay, fuck it, I need a new TV. And actually, you, you... later that night showed me that there were some Best Buy TV deals going on that I actually jumped on the next morning.
1: Yeah, that was... Because I had been looking into them as well for the reason that I still also have a 720p HDTV, So
0: <laughs> Yeah, so now I have this 1080p 48-inch um, massive thing that actually was just... Okay, so... This is just me being stupid. I never quite internalized the fact that there are TVs that, like, the stand isn't just a big thing in the middle. Yeah. So I get this thing, and there are these two legs that go on either side to support it. And I immediately realize, oh, fuck. This is too wide for my TV stand in my room. <laughs> So, the solution that we eventually determined was to, like, put down literally just a plank of wood and put it on top of the TV stand. Nice! <laughs> so, yeah. It actually doesn't look too bad. It, like, you can tell that, like, there's a plank of wood there, obviously, but, like, could be worse, so. But, yeah, now you have, like, a big old 1080p TV. Um, there's only two complaints I have with it. First is that it only has two HDMI ports. My 720p monitor had three. But, I mean, you can live with that. Other complaint... is that I'm a man who always liked to play PS2 games widescreen. And I know that's disgusting to most people.
2: Oh, oh God.
0: Also, it depends on the game. Some games are not too bad. Fuck off.
1: Depends on the game. Some games it ain't too bad, some games they're unplayable like that. You always play a game in its native resolution. I don't care what anyone says. It's fine. Uh, But now, so
0: I tested out a few PS2 games because I wanted to see. Now, it's one thing to do that on like a 32-inch 720p <laughs> monitor. Yeah. But when it's really blown up and really big and really wide, ooh. Mm, yeah, that's not that's not doable. So, Come on back to the 4x3, baby. Yeah. So, it's a shame, but, you know. No, it's better. No, it's a shame. There was one episode I did of the of the SMT1 LP where I forgot to change my emulator settings so that it wasn't widescreen. And I got so many messages from people that are like, How the fuck didn't you notice this? It looks awful. And I'm just like, Oh, 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 oh. This is yeah, how I like hey, to see the world. Goddammit, uh, we we had
1: our moment on the Croc stream.
0: Yeah, yeah, where I changed it to look beautiful, and you you started crying, so I had to change uh, it back.
1: Unacceptable.
0: Wide screen Croc is the only way to play Croc, baby. Uh but uh, yeah.
1: So back to the PSVR.
0: <laughs> yeah, we went multiple layers of storytelling here. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I do want to talk a little bit more about the TV, though, because this is also a smart TV, which I've never okay. actually had any experience with in my life. So I never really internalized the fact that TVs have app stores now. <laughs> yeah. God, that's fucking weird. Um, I'm mad that LG doesn't seem to have a Crunchyroll app, but I can live without that, because, I, I mean, I have the PS4. Um... But yeah, like, hey, the Netflix TV app is just the same thing from the PS4 app, but, I mean, it's kind of convenient to not have my PS4 worrying in the background when I'm watching Netflix now, so that's cool.
1: Yeah, my issue with um, using my PS4 for things like Netflix and, like, uh, other, like, video-watching stuff is that I I like to really, like, binge-watch things. And I never like leaving my PS4 on for more than a couple hours at a time.
0: Well, I don't like that because my room is, like, medium-sized, I guess, and, like, that shit really will heat you up. Yeah. Um, Which is really bad in the summer, but actually, like, not gonna lie, there... Okay, this is gonna... This is goofy as fuck, but last winter, there were straight-up days where I just left my PS4 on, and that was fine. (laughs) Like, my room became a tolerable temperature... (laughs)
1: Interesting.
0: Yeah, like no, just PS4 gives off so much fucking heat; it's ridiculous. Um,
1: well, if you're if you're ever freezing, you know what to do.
0: Yeah, <laughs> bring your PS4 as survival gear. Oh no, but the only other thing though, there there is one thing I do miss from PS4 Netflix though, the ability to just have headphones in the PS4 controllers uh, headphone jack. Yeah. Just so other people in the house didn't have to, like, hear your shit. Something I'm gonna miss, but I can live without it.
1: Does your TV not have a headphone, Jack?
0: I mean, it does, but, like, I don't want to sit that close.
1: Oh, sure, sure.
0: So, I want to burn out my eyeballs. <laughs> but speaking of burning out my eyeballs, so, let's talk about this PlayStation VR. Right. It's okay. Yeah? I don't... Okay, I have very mixed feelings on this. Because I was this guy who every single time that... Because there was a while there where, like, every time you'd listen to, like, Giant Bomb podcasts, like, and any, like, website that covered game stuff, there was always, like, it seemed like every week there was the dedicated what's happening in VR news before, like, everything came out. And I was always that guy that's like, God, I'm so tired of hearing about this. I don't care. And, like, I feel like this is going to be a trendy thing that's kind of going to die out. And, hey, so far it kind of seems like a trendy thing that's kind of dying out. But... A little bit. Um, I was always that guy that's like, I don't feel like we're ready yet. At least in the sense that, like, I don't feel like we're at the point where people want to spend the money on these. And the the answer is actually people do. But the reality is is that if people want to try out VR, they get the little dumb glasses holder thing for their phone.
1: Yeah, the thing that costs 20 bucks.
0: Yeah, and then they just do it that way. And guess what? For most people, that's serviceable, you know? Yeah. Um, so PSVR, of like the three big VR headsets that are, or sorry, heads-up displays, that are available right now is the cheapest one. I have not tried... I literally did not try VR at all before getting the PSVR, by the way, too. Uh, So I don't really have much to compare it to, but just looking at it from, like, a visual fidelity standpoint, it was actually a little bit blurrier than I anticipated it to be. And to be fair, like, I don't have the PS4 Pro, it's only a vanilla PS4, so it's like, I kind of expected that a little bit. Um... It actually took longer to set up and actually get lined up with my eyeballs than I would have liked it to. To the point where I was actually a little concerned like, oh shit, is my head just not properly shaped for this? But no, you just gotta twist the knobs and play around with it enough to uh figure it out. Um I played quite a few games with it. Rez is cool. The little demo disc that it comes with is cool. There's still a few games. I I downloaded a game called I think it's called Archangel. Then another one called Rigs, which is free right now, and I want to try those out. Haven't gotten around to them quite yet. Um, and it's neat, but my my honest impression is, man, I kind of feel like this is something that would have been a cool like gimmick for the PlayStation Five in a few years.
1: <laughs> well, to be fair, you haven't played Kitchen yet.
0: Yeah, I guess. Um, yeah, I streamed it, and there's a point where it's like, "Oh, Zach convinced me to play the stupid Resident Evil Seven VR tech demo thing," and I was like, "I don't want to scream in this household of sleeping people," so <laughs> <laughs> so I chickened out. That was a good moment. That was a pretty decent stream, but also there's a point where I sat down on... Oh, wait, no, actually, sorry. There wasn't a point where I sat down in my bed. There was a point where I was fucking around in the Thumper demo, and I started to, like, physically become ill because my face started to clip through the world. <laughs> so I took the headset, and I just put it on my bed, and then I put it back on my face. Um, And that totally, like, fucked up the centering of the headset for the rest of the stream. So, like... It was oriented down more than it should have been, um, than what I was seeing, so the stream kind of turned out weird, and I, I do want to stream PSVR stuff again, and actually we talked a little bit about doing just all of the Resident Evil 7 stuff in VR, uh, which would be cool, and also, too, uh, the latest PS4 system update actually solved some problems that I was running into when setting up that, uh, PSVR stream, which is interesting, So, when you stream PSVR games now, there is an option to have a live, like, chat feed from the Twitch
1: chat in your periphery vision. Ooh. I feel like that might ruin the atmosphere of Resident Evil a bit. (laughs) A little bit, but, you know, like, I feel... Well, I mean, at the same time, though, if, if you're streaming with a person, they can read you the chat. That, but also, too, like... I thought about it and
0: I'm like I don't know how different that is from like streaming it on a TV screen and then looking back at the chat every once in a while, you know? Like,
1: well, but the idea of VR is to not have that uh, not have that disconnection. Yeah, I guess that's true. I, I I feel like that would work in a lot of games, but like Resident Evil in particular is one where you don't want delay, the the illusion shattered, you know? Yeah.
0: That's true. I'm also but curious like, if yeah. it like permanently stays there, or if like when the chat dies down, if it like fades out. You know?
1: Yeah. No, well, we'll have to experiment with it.
0: Yeah. Uh, I will say though, all all that considered, like man, when you first try it out and like it comes with a it comes with like a disc that has like a few like little mini games and shit on it, okay. you feel like you're in a fucking other world, and that's pretty rad.
1: Yeah, I have, um... I don't know if I've ever mentioned it on this podcast before, but I've tried out VR stuff a couple of times.
0: So, it's, the, uh, it's neat. The moment that, like, won me over is when... So you... you I, I forget the name of it, but it's, like, the little PSVR minigame collection thing that it comes with. Uh, mine also came with, like, a little demo disc thing, so that was cool. Uh, but there's just, like, this giant, like, blank space of, like, a void... And you turn to the right, and there's just a little robot buddy, and he just waves at you. And that sold me instantly on the concept. Like, okay, VR is... here? <laughs> I get, like, that's cool. And, like, I feel like there's a robot dude next to me. That's, that's pretty neat. Yeah. And it's really weird, too, because it's, like... You would think the fact that you could see individual pixels on shit, and the fact that it's 720p and a little bit blurry would be a problem for, like, the whole immersion thing. It's noticeable, but it's still kind of not. Like, you can totally ignore it and look past it. It's it's really interesting. Like, I, I don't know... Like, I'm curious to... I'm curious about the psychology of that and how, like, the mind can look past that to just kind of buy into the experience, you know?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's kind of similar to the thing where, like, your your brain will, like, fill in the blanks of sentences and stuff, you know? Yeah. Um...
0: So, one thing I do kind of hope... So, there's, like, a lot of games right now that are... Well, we we have a few different types of VR games. Games that are, like, a few hours long, and it was, like, a quick thing made with, like, okay, here's a thing... Here's, like, a quick, fun little game we can make with VR in mind. Um, there's a few full-fledged games, including Resident Evil 7 with VR support. Tekken 7 has a VR mode, I know. Um... And then there's, like, these different, like, 15-minute experiences that are like, oh, hey, you can be Batman for 20 minutes. And, like, that stuff is cool. But there's one minigame on that that disc that it comes with where it's just a straight-up platformer. And you can just kind of move your head and, like, lean around your character as you're platforming. And it's kind of fucking amazing. Hmm. And I want, I want a Mario game where I'm just watching Mario jump around while I control, you know what I, like...
1: Well, yeah, you're, you're playing the, uh, you know, camera Lakitu or whatever. Yeah, exactly.
0: Cause, like, I didn't, like, for a game like a platformer, cause, like, something like a, like a simulation or, like, an FPS, it's clear what the benefits of VR are, you know? But just the idea of being this giant disembodied, like, floating around camera in, like, a world of, like, a regular video game, I think has more merit to it than people would think before they try can try it. It was really cool, and I was like, god damn, like, I want at least one game to come out with this option that's, like, a full real-deal platformer, so... Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm still gonna be waiting on that, I feel, probably for a while. Uh, and then... There was one other thing I wanted to talk about, but I'm already forgetting. Damn it. It'll probably come to me eventually, but... Yeah, no, uh, PSVR is cool. I don't think you need it. Like, I, like straight up, it, I don't think it's for many people. Maybe if it's on sale, like, hey, pick it up. They They actually just announced a new model that, like supports HDR, so image is going to be a little bit better, and also you don't need your own pair of headphones. There's a pair of headphones built in, so maybe wait for
1: that if you're curious, but... There's... So with me, with PSVR, I'm, I'm in that spot that you used to be in, where, like, there is no reason why I would ever need to buy that. It's too expensive and not enough stuff for it. Yeah. I honestly think the only thing that would be, like, my version of what the, um... Zone of the Enders was for you is if they ever come out with VR mode for Final Fantasy fourteen.
2: Uh, yeah.
1: Because they made a demo of it and had it at, like, a convention and people were like, yeah, like, you couldn't really do all the, like, hardcore content like this, but for just walking around the world, it was super awesome. And I'm like, yeah, I'd, I would pay $300 for the dot-hack dream to finally be real. Enough. <laughs> just, yeah. And I mean, uh. like, also,
0: too, like, I really, I wanna, whenever I, I'm kind of broke right now because I just bought a TV and PSVR, but, um, whenever I have the cash, I do wanna buy that EVE Valkyrie game, cause that demo actually really sold me on just, like, even if it's, like, a tiny game, apparently the game is pretty short, even, like, past the demo, the idea of, like, having the, the big dumb space combat game where you're in the cockpit, that felt really fucking cool, so... And I'm sure Resident Evil 7 is going to be scary as fuck, so I'm actually really looking forward to playing that, and we'll probably stream that around December-ish.
1: Yeah. Well, if we want to beforehand, we can do the demo stuff. Yeah. Because, like, going through Kitchen and then Beginning Hour is a full stream all on its own.
0: Yeah, that's true. I already went through kitchen, what are you talking about? Yeah, sure. Okay, that's actually something I'll say. Like just being able to look over past your shoulder a little bit and see something moving in the darkness is like more real and unsettling feeling than like you would think, and that's pretty rad, so. Yeah. For sure, man. I
1: can't I can't wait to I can't wait for like you to get the full experience of that, because I'm sure there's some bits in RE7 proper that are gonna be fucking wild.
0: And, like, by, like, some strain of luck, I don't know much about Resident Evil 7 other than, like, the general setup. Uh, Oh,
1: I was under the impression you had, like, seen the whole game.
0: No, I know the general setup. I've seen the ending, because everyone fucking spoiled that ending as soon as that Uh, was known. And I know at some point you go into a bunch of caves and people either love or hate that part.
1: Yeah, that's fair. Hey, it's like, it's, hey, here's your, like, RE4, RE5 moment.
0: Oh, I also think I've heard that there's a choice involving a girlfriend and a syringe at some point that people really fucking hate.
1: Yeah, it's dumb.
0: Okay, yeah. Well,
1: hey, we'll talk about all that when we stream it. Okay. (laughs) Okay.
0: I don't know the context, but, yeah.
1: Oh, I can't wait. Oh, man, I'm more excited about that stream than ever now.
0: Yeah, like, I was about to say, like, I spoil my shit on everything, but, like, Resident Evil 7, is like, nah, I'm gonna play that at some point, I might as well wait, and, like, boy, that really paid off in a way I didn't expect it to, so. Yeah. So, adding on, so this is a trilogy... (laughs) <laughs> so on top of the $300 PSVR and the $400 TV, I also got my credit card thing cleared up with Best Buy, and I got the $80 SNES
1: Classic Edition. What a what a worthwhile purchase. Now you can finally play Final Fantasy VI. Yeah, and Earthbound,
0: and Mega Man X. Yeah. And Super Mario World.
1: How would you have ever been able to play them before now?
0: Yep. So, if you're wondering what my thoughts are on the Super Nintendo NES system 64, um, go back to that episode where I talked about the NES Classic, and just, like, add on an S to whenever I say NES. (laughs) It's literally the same thing. Um, A little bummed that it's 21 games, actually. Like... I feel like it could have been twenty-five.
1: How many were on the NES?
0: Thirty. And this is twenty-one? Yep. Now Yeah, so that in sixty-four will be twelve. The thing that is kind of lame. Well okay. So I I get why they did it because all signs point to the idea that the reason the NES Classic Edition shortage was actually kind of a problem was because there's reason to believe, actually, that Nintendo was, like, losing more money than you would think on getting the rights to all those third-party games for that system. And it was so cheap that the manufacturing costs might not have been worth it. Um, but also, the fact is, like... Like, that's that's, like, something from... It's like, oh, that explains the company's actions, but also, like, from a consumer standpoint you're paying, like, $20 more for a system with, like, nine less games, and that's kind of, eh. Eh. Um, I, like, it's like, man, I kind of wish FF4 was on there, you know, like...
1: Yeah, man, and there's, like, they got FF6, why not 4
0: Yeah, and, like, on, like, oh, god, this is gonna be bad. Um, I know a bunch of people are gonna crucify me for this. I personally probably would have taken 4 over 6. I feel
1: like there's probably people that'll agree with you on that one. I mean, I sure as fuck don't, but...
0: (laughs) Yeah. It's just, for me, as, like... From, like, a personal standpoint, when I think of SNES Final Fantasy, 4 is that one that stands out to me. Or actually, not not even that. When I think of SNES JRPGs, 4 did so much groundwork for that as just a, like, you know, a cottage industry. (laughs) Yeah. that, That, like...
1: No, yeah, it deserves to be on there. I just feel yeah. it deserves to be on there alongside six.
0: Yeah. Yeah, honestly it would have been great if they were both on there. But um it's and then cool. get a
1: and then get five on there too,
0: right? Um something that is a little goofy is that apparently I think it was PC Gamer. I'm sorry I'm sorry if I got the outlet wrong on this. I, I know the person who wrote the article probably isn't like listening to this podcast, but I know one of those bigger, like, more tech-centric, uh, gaming outlets apparently opened up the shell of what's inside, and it's basically the same parts as an NES Classic
2: Edition. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I mean, why wouldn't it be, you know? Yeah, um, there is one thing I will say, though. If you're one of those people that really, truly do value like, oh, I want my emulation to feel as authentic as possible. The NES emulator for the NES Classic Edition did a great job of that, and while I never owned an SNES, I've, you know, touched it a few times in my life, and I, I can say the same thing here. It feels more authentic than, like, just downloading your average, like, SNES 9X version, you know? Yeah. Um. It feels right. Because here's the thing with emulators, for those of you who don't know. They'll run the game... But they'll also kind of run it in a way that's better than what, like... Like, there are, there were, like, display limitations and weird limitations to the technology that, like, modern computing hardware just don't have. So it'll feel different than the authentic console. Now, there are certain emulators for old systems that have, like, put in the work to make... To, like, retroactively make it feel more authentic and stuff, but, like... You kind of have to play with them to get them to work, and, like, they're kind of for, like, that hardcore subsect of people that really care about that. Personally, I just kind of want the game, and if it runs, I'm fine, you know? Like, I don't care t- I don't care that, like, I'm missing out on, like, all of the TV fuzz and scan lines, you know? But some people do, and I, I respect that, so. Uh, but, yeah, if you're one of those people, th- this definitely does the job that also too it's neat that this one came with two controllers nes one it only came with one
2: Hmm.
1: so that's
0: cool
2: yeah
1: i think it's kind of a waste of money but if you've got the money to spare and you happen to find one so that's the thing
0: like i have both now yeah you're fucked because you've got to get them all i like i know and I don't care, Zach. No. Like, I don't care. But, like... I'm Like, there are two boxes on my shelf right now. One for the NES, one for the SNES. And it's like... I have to get the yeah. 64 one now.
1: After. If they make it. Yeah. The the 64 one might be too much for them, you know? I wouldn't be surprised if they waited a few years for the
0: 64 one, honestly. Yeah. I'm, like, hey, to be fair... I wouldn't be against them making NES Classic 2. Yeah. Or SNES. Like, let's be real. There's a lot of games for both those systems that, like, I wouldn't mind having a... You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you could pop in a few more. Oh, actually, you know what? Actually, something I do want to talk about. So, I don't know if when you tried out PSVR, you, like, how much of the actual setup you saw. Oh, a lot of it. Okay. So, for those of you who don't know, because I didn't fucking know, I legitimately always thought that the PSVR, like, was, like, a cable connected to, like, maybe, like, a power brick, and then, like, it just hooked into the USB of your PS4. I did not realize it had its own goddamn, like, miniature, like, power hub. (laughs) But the thing that's hilarious about it And because, keep in mind, this is way before the NES Classic Edition or SNES Classic Edition was announced. The power hub for the PSVR, where all the cables and shit that you need go through, looks like a miniature PS4. (laughs) So on my floor right now, underneath my TV stand, back to back, I have a miniature NES, a miniature PS4, and a miniature SNES. And it looks really fucking weird. The
1: classic trilogy.
0: Yep. Um, but yeah. Oh, it, it, It's cool. It's, once again, not necessary, but it's cool. Uh, hey, Super Mario World's fun. Kirby's Dream Course is great. That's an underrated SNES gem. Super Mario Kart sucks, I'm sorry. Like, just play any other one. <laughs> I was never a big fan of it. Nah, yeah, I wasn't either. To be fair, I was one of those kids. I grew up on 64. Same. 64 is a game that I know is one of the. Like, that game is one of the. Not as good Mario Karts, but like, fuck man. I could go back to that game anytime. And he was great. My friends and I played so much of that game. My. Actually, my sister and I used to play 64 all the time. And Same. Also- and also, my sister's friend would play 64 with me. And I remember her kind of only for that reason. But, um, huh? yeah. Everyone
1: exists for something.
0: Yeah, oof, oof, that's rough. Um, apparently the beta thing, uh,. The guy who made the program that lets you put custom NES ROMs on the NES Classic Edition apparently just put out the beta version for the SNES Classic Edition. So I want to try that out tomorrow.
1: Yeah. Get that FF4 on there.
0: Yeah. Get Chrono Trigger on there. Actually, no, probably not that one, because just play the DS version, honestly. But, Meh. It's it's the best one. Meh. Meh. It's so good. The translation's nuts. What
1: what wait what was that? Handhelds. Oh, just emulate it. It's fine. Emulate a DS game? Fuck off. Hey man, I got my Final Fantasy Chronicles disc. That's all I need. Oh, okay. DS version translation's
0: all fixed up though. It's good. Yeah. I like it. Also, it, adds in a, it ends in the most gratuitous, not-needed thing ever, where there's a bonus boss and ending that leads into Chrono Cross, and it's like, hey, that's a change they made for me and no one else, but I'll take it. <laughs> no,
1: hey, man, I'll take
0: that, too. Okay, good. Man, fuck the Chrono Cross haters.
1: So good! Well, it's not, but it is.
0: No, no, it's great. It's one of the... <laughs> it's, It really basically saved video games.
1: Ah, dude, that fucking music, though.
0: Yeah. yeah. We're all radical dreamers deep down, Zach. Sure. You know what, You know what isn't radical, though? It's something you wish was a dream? Yeah, Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite came out. Zach, I've never wanted to be more forgiving of a game, but, like... Oh. Ugh. I watched that stream you and Antonomi did. So yeah, like to be fair with that, at least that's the story mode. I wasn't anticipating the story mode of this game to be good. Um,
1: so but well, why else would you play a fighting game? Yep, yep. Well, anyway, this is going to be a very rosin centric segment. I'm yeah. going to go for some diet Pepsi. Okay, so I am.
0: There's a. There's two thoughts I want to start this off with. The first is that it recently got leaked that apparently Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite's entire budget was less than half of Street Fighter V's DLC budget. Which, excuse me, which explains a lot. And is pretty pathetic. Um... This game I don't think should have been made. (laughs) Ooh, that's, that's a rough one! Um... So there was a thing that, like, Antinomi and I were pretty, like, hardcore about that, like, you fought against and turned out to be right. Where it's, like, you were like, man, they're super gonna lean into the MCU stuff. Uh-huh. And me and Antinomi were always like, no, because the entire, like, point of Marvel vs. Capcom was always the dumb fan shit. Like, shit. To the point that Marvel vs. Capcom 3 has colors for, like, the char- like like, the different alternate colors and stuff. That are references to obscure YouTube videos that are memes within the community that have less than 40,000 views.
2: Wow.
1: You know, man, I I forgot that you guys used to say that I was wrong about that. And I never knew that I could feel validation for something I had forgotten about. But, yeah, like, you turned out to be right, but... I was.
0: What a fucking 180, because Marvel vs. Capcom 3 is the most love letter-ass game that you could ever fucking make. There are character choices that are, like, pretty bold, all things considered. Now, let's be fair, on the Marvel side, there's some people, like, Rocket Raccoon got in because they're gonna make a Guardians of the Galaxy movie, let's be real. Yeah. But, like, you still got in a lot of the cool shit... And, like, they put in Shuma Gorath, and it's, like, the only reason they did that was because people loved him from, like, the the old game. You know, like, there were so many choices that were totally for the fans, and that game was one for the fans. This game is for no one. (laughs) To the point where, like, I'm sorry, but, like, one kinda cool Darkstalkers character does not a video game make Capcom. Like...
1: You know, you know what sums up the pro like... So, so I was reading into some of that stuff where it was like, yeah, a lot of the characters they picked on the Marvel side was because of the movies, and a lot of the characters they picked on the Capcom side was because they had stuff from them from 3 already. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, that does make sense why we got Chris instead of Leon, because they would have to make something new for Leon, huh? But there's also
0: stuff that's like, it's so clear they wanted to play it safe, because like there are characters in 3 or whatever that like there there are characters that from 2 that didn't come back to 3 because for 3 they're like all right let's let's pick the good ones you know like with yeah. some exceptions like let's pick the fucking good ones like for example Thanos was missing in 3 which seems kind of gratuitous in hindsight but like no one played Thanos in 2 you know um they totally didn't have that philosophy going into this game at all. Uh, the big one for me is Virgil is... Virgil kind of became one of the big faces of Marvel vs. Capcom 3. He is, like, by far easily one of the top five characters that you will see people play. Same with Doctor Doom, same with Magneto, but of course can't have those fuckers now because, you know, X-Men Fantastic Four, and you can't do that. Um... You're missing Storm, you're missing Sentinel. Like, honestly, a lot of the big Marvel vs. You're Bat- missing
1: Wolverine!
0: Yeah, that's bad. He's
1: one of the best... Mis- He's the biggest Marvel character there ever was! that's
0: eh, Spider-Man, but Wolverine's uh, big.
1: Ah, uh, sure, I don't know, man. Okay, now, sure, I think there was a time in the 90s when Wolverine had Spider-Man fucking beat. Yeah, probably. The, the only thing I know is that Batman's
0: the number one, like, highest grossing... Superhero brand ever, and Spider Man's number two, but yeah,
1: but there was a dark period where nobody liked Spider Man, and Wolverine was like Marvel's yeah, darling. That's true. Uh,
0: but yeah, like, <laughs> and and like, hey, Wolverine is like a iconic. Like, there's this whole fucking joke in the community that Wolverine and Akuma are best friends because they complement each other so well on teams in all the games, um. So many of the X-Men characters are so fucking vital to what that game's identity was. And the fact that they're not there, and the fact that Capcom decided to go for, like, their flagship characters instead of, like, really going in with some of the character choices is just so disappointing. Like, man, I love Dante. I don't know if I, like, we couldn't have done Nero? Couldn't have, uh... Couldn't have done Lady or Trish or... Well, they did Trish in 3, actually, but she she didn't hey, come back.
1: You know, and you... You won't fully understand yet, but they had such a knockout character... A brand new knockout Capcom character this year that is so perfect for this game, and they didn't put him in. Yeah. Which is Jack Baker from Resident Evil 7. <laughs> you laugh dude once you play Resident Evil 7 you will see that I am right if this game was made by anyone with ambition or creativity they would have put the fucking baker in
0: you know the thing that's been bothering me actually recently what they're making an Okami HD remaster that's coming out in like a month why the fuck is an
1: Amaterasu in that game
2: Mm.
1: well because they don't give a fuck about the Capcom stuff in there that was a game made to advertise Marvel movies. Yeah. It's bad. Um, And also, too, like, honestly,
0: straight up, it's not advertising to no one. Because, hey, your average, like, moviegoer is going to see that game and think it looks like absolute garbage. And they're going to play, like, the dumb Marvel phone game instead. Like, it looks terrible. It's... And, oh, man. So, this is the second point I wanted to get into. I've always been someone... I've, said, I've gone on record on this podcast saying this. I'm always someone that is, like, story and gameplay first. And, like, hey, you know, the visual stuff and, like... Like, the visual and, like, graphical fidelity and, like, art style and stuff is things that, if it's bad, will bother me. But, like, I, eh, you know, like... They're low on my priority list, all things considered. And part of that was just, I grew up playing a bunch of games that looked like shit. And also, too, like, hey, when you're young and can't afford much games, older games are kind of what you go to, because they're cheaper. And it's like, oh, this looks like crap compared to the new stuff, but, like, hey, it's still fun and more accessible, you know? Um, at least in terms of money. So, like, I just kind of grew up, and it's like, yeah, I don't really care too much about how games look, as long as they're fun or I get I can get engaged in the characters or plot or whatever. Um, I think this is the most logical, extreme version of that where I felt challenged in my life. <laughs> um, But also, even beyond that, the thing that got me interested in Marvel vs. Capcom and why my, UMVC3 kind of became my fighting game after a point, it's the one I've spent over 200 hours in, it's the one that I've been the most invested in, and like I, I properly fucking learned. And the reason... I got into that was there was a old forum. Hey, going back to last podcast. There was an old forum I used to go on. And there was this dude who always talked about fighting games and stuff. And he linked to, I think it was the Evo... I want to say 2010? I I can't remember. It was the first Evo where Marvel vs. Capcom 3 was out. It was vanilla Marvel vs. Capcom 3, because next year, Ultimate Marvel replaced it, I remember. But He linked to the Evo stream that was happening, and he said, dude, there's this 10-year-old playing Hulk, and he's beating professional players in Marvel vs. Capcom 3 right now. Check this (laughs) shit out. And I went, what the fuck? And I just, like, personally, I clicked on the stream because I'm like, I want to see a little kid beating the shit out of a bunch of, like, esports professionals and them getting salty about it. Um... I tuned in right after he had beaten someone and left the stage, and I was like, fuck, well, I mean, I guess I might as well watch until he shows up again, you know? And I kind of just fell in love with how the game looked and played, and I was like, huh. Because from that point, like, the only fighting game experience I really had is, like, me and my friends would, like, plug in Street Fighter 2 or 3 or something of, like, the PS2 era type, like... Fighting games that we'd have laying around, we'd have like fight nights, and we had no idea what the fuck we were doing, really. And like, we'd maybe try to learn some stuff, but like, no one was good, you know, but we just enjoyed playing it. And that was the first time where I kind of became awakened to the fact that there's a huge competitive scene for this game, and also like, it looked fucking amazing and really fun, and like, the combos were ridiculous, and like, I just fell in love, and I picked up the game. Uh, a little bit later, I picked up Ultimate Marvel vs. Capcom 3, like, around the time it came out, and I really, really liked it, and I stuck with it. Um, yeah. But, when I, and actually, like, not only that, too, but when I first picked up Ultimate Marvel vs. Capcom 3 and I started to properly learn the game, one of my main driving things was I I felt cool. Like,
2: Mm.
0: I I would practice something for an entire day... And when I got it down to a science and I could do it on repeat just as, like, an instinct, not only did I feel cool doing it, but it looked cool when I looked at what was happening on the screen. And, like, being able to pull out something against someone who was, like... This is gonna sound shitty, but when I'd go online and fight other beginners, and I was just that little bit, like, improved above them, where it's like, hey, I had obviously put in a little bit more time than my opponent did, that felt great. And I felt like, ah, oh, yeah, I'm doing the cool thing where, like, I practiced, and I, all the hard work paid off, and, like, I'm running laps around this guy or whatever, Right. So I've spent about twenty hours, and I th- I've spent about twenty hours at this point in Marvel versus Capcom Infinite's uh, training mode, and like a little bit of the online. I feel nothing. Oh, that's bad. It's, and like, I think the thing that's so emblematic for me is like, Dante was one of the characters I started to gravitate towards in Ultimate Marvel vs. Capcom Three, and it's not because he's good, but he has. The most amount of moves in the game, and he has the most potential for, like, different interesting combos visually. Uh, To the point where there was actually a problem in the metagame where one of the best Dante, Dante players went on the UMVC3 subreddit and made this giant post that was like, You fuckers need to stop, like, making... Like, you fuckers in tournaments need to stop showing off your Dante, like, combo skills and actually do what's competitively viable. Because there was, like, a solid year where Dante players were holding themselves back because they wanted to show off for the camera instead of, like, playing good. <laughs> um, And Dante just, like, feels different in this game, and he feels really weird. And they, to be fair, he still has, like, the most options available, but, like when I play him, I don't feel cool, it's just like, oh, they made this character into something completely different, and, like, it's just weird, and it feels so off to me. They they kind of took a lot of influence from Marvel vs. Capcom 1. I kind of still think that Marvel vs. Capcom 1, while maybe not, like, mechanically a better game, I still would probably go back to that more, just because it feels better. Um... And I do think part of it is that, like, Dante is one of the weirdest characters in the game right now. And the more I got away from him and I just realized, okay, he's not going to be one of my main characters in this game, and I started to play around with other characters, I did start to enjoy the game mechanically a bit more. But I haven't found anyone in the roster that I play as, and I just feel great playing. Like, just the aesthetic is gone, and that hurts me a lot. It's a shame. It's the most disappointing game of the year for me so far. And you know what? Honestly, I don't think it's a bad game. It's just not a good successor to the game I loved, you know? Like, I've made my peace with that. And what pisses me off is, like, I know if they had put the money in, even with the shitty roster, they could have made this feel better, you know? That's kind of where I'm at. Because, like, when people are like, oh, I love this game, and, like, it's great. Like, I yeah, I totally believe it, but, like, it's just not for me, so. But you know what is for me? What is for you? So, I bought Gundam Versus. Yeah? I'm having a lot of fun with it. Um, That's good! I'm at the point with that game where... There's still a lot of... Pe- there, the online for that game is very active, and I can feel with every passing day, the scene is getting a little bit more competitive <laughs> as time goes on, where I think it's a combination of the beginners that are taking the game seriously are starting to really learn the game more, and the people that picked up the game and were like, ah, yeah, fucking Gundams, and don't give a shit about like the fighting mechanics whatsoever, are kind of like, oh, everyone's kicking my ass online and starting to leave... Um, that game is really fun, and I think one of the most accessible fighting games I've played, because it's like a half-shooter, half-fighting game type thing, and execution isn't really that hard. Like, there's some advanced movement stuff that you really need to get used to, but I'm starting to play around with that a bit more, to the point where I don't think I've put in more than, like, 20 hours into the game... Like, I I, th- I think I've actually spent more time with Marvel than I have this game. But I feel like I've made more progress in this just as, like, a beginner. I, I, think, yeah. I think they did a great job of making it so that someone who just likes Gundam and picked up this game and then realized, oh shit, this is actually really fun, I want to get good at this, can do that. Which is really impressive, and honestly, I kind of wish more fighting games took maybe a cue from that. Well, I shouldn't say fighting games but because, like... There's, like, an alternate world where I feel like JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, with both both of, like, the weird pseudo-fighting games it had, could have been this, where it's, like, there's a real-deal, like, interesting game that's, like, good and well-balanced here. Huh. That, like, is just a kind of dumbed-down fighting game, you know? But they ended up just making weird fighting games instead that are kind of broken.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, like, calling this a fighting game, I, like like, I get it, but it doesn't really... I don't know. It's like a fighting game in structure, but not content or not gameplay. It's weird. You know?
0: Because it has all of the mechanics of a fighting game, but it's presented as a third-person shooter with, like, lock-on-based fighting.
1: Kind of like, I guess, I, I mean, we we talked about this game a bit on the last episode, and we compared it to Dissidia. And, like, I guess that is a good comparison, like, what Dissidia is to, like, Action RPG as fighting games. This is to like third person shooters as fighting games. Yeah, totally. Yeah.
0: Um. So I know last time you asked about the single player content. So. Oh yeah. <laughs> there's a there, there's a bit there that's pretty fun, but I don't think worth a sixty dollar purchase. Um. So actually, something that's interesting is, you remember from the beta, you had a giant list of, like, the different assists that you could use. So actually, you only have the GM, the Zaku, and the Ball unlocked at the start, and you get the others by playing as different suits in the survival mode. And leveling up your suits. And there's, like, light RPG mechanics, too, where it's like, oh, for the survival mode, do you want Unicorn Gundam to level up their projectile offense, their projectile defense, their, like, like how long they're in their, like, boost gear mode for, like, all that sort of shit. Yeah. And that's, that's pretty cute. But the thing that won me over is just the presentation of it, where you start round one of the basic, uh, like, survival mode, And you don't fight Gundams. You fight the shitty Zeon tanks from the first Gundam show. (laughs) And they die in, like, two hits, and it's like, that's awesome!
1: Oh, it's a Musou game!
0: So here's the thing. Gundam Breaker 3 is a Musou game. Oh... Well, okay, I don't want to say that because there's not enough enemies on screen, I think, to warrant calling Gundam Breaker 3 a Muso game, and there is actually I mean... there is actually a Gundam Musou game. Yeah. <laughs> um, Gundam Breaker 3, to me, is kind of like a, for for those of you who don't know, that's like a hack and slash game where you, the whole gimmick is that you're playing as a Gunpla kit, so you get to customize and make your own Gundam and then fight and then get more parts and customize further and that's kind of the core gameplay loop really fun game you have to import it though but there is a gunbreaker 3 at least uh if you import it from south uh southeast asian regions it does have a full english localization which is cool um i highly recommend it it's worth the money that game is like really cool uh but also it's like a hack and slash game where you're fighting other Gundam units, like, the Gundam Wing will show up as just, like, a enemy type for a level, and then you'll beat it up to get Gundam Wing parts that you can then customize with, right? So it's like your traditional hack-and-slash fare. I'll, it, not gonna lie, though, it does have a lot in co- common with Muso. So... After playing that first round of Survival, immediately my mind went to the fact that I want a single-player Gundam game that plays like Gundam Versus, but kind of has the, like, level setup of Gundam Breaker 3. I
1: mean, yeah.
0: Where it's like, oh, you play as the Gundam, you can customize the Gundam, but also you're fighting shitty Zeon tanks and ships and, like, crappy mobile suits.
1: And then, like, because the one thing I said when we were playing that beta is, like, it feels like I'm piloting a mech, you know. Yeah, and like it's cool. I feel like I'm on Gundam, and that's yeah. Like I don't think the Muso game probably feels that way. Oh no, the Muso
0: game just feels like a Muso game, and yeah. also like they're very average games. I I played I played Gundam Muso two and three, and like I don't think I'll ever spend time with them again. I probably will at some point because video content, but like they're fan service Muso games that could have been better, you know? Um, also, too, like, if I remember correctly, it was an excuse to give a bunch of different Gundams giant fuck-off laser beam attacks to, like, be flashy and cool that kind of felt like they didn't belong, to. Um But, yeah. Oh, but then, yeah, so the other thing that won me over is, so, like, every fifth round, you fight off against, like, an important suit, so, you're fighting all these, like, Xeon tanks, and then, like, the Earth Federation tanks come, in, you have to fight those, too. And then you get to round five, and, like, the fucking Gundam shows up with a bunch of, like, Federation tanks, and, like, I think the gun cannon was there, too. And it's like, that's awesome, you know? Yeah. Um, The thing that really won me over, though, is I think it was round ten, where you're just in this generic desert map, and then suddenly the 8th MS team showed up. Oh, uh, okay. Like, it was literally, like, the Easy 8 mobile suit, and then three of the Gundam ground types, and then the shitty little recon tank that they have. And the recon tank doesn't do shit. That's literally there, so you shoot it once and it blows up. But I appreciated the attention to detail.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's not, they didn't just throw a bunch of random mobile suits. They're giving you themed fights around the... Yeah, so.
0: and to be fair, they last, like, a minute at most. Maybe that's yeah. also, too, because I was playing the beginner one, but... um, It was neat. Also, there's a bonus round where it's literally, hey, fight this giant boss unit, and I know that there's a completely separate mode where you fight giant boss units. Um, So, like, there was just this giant Psycho Gundam, which I don't know if you've gotten to that part of Zeta yet. Um, Psycho Gundam's just a really big Gundam. Uh... And it puts you in a team of six mobile suits, where you just have five AI mobile suit buddies. And you're all just fighting this boss, and the boss swipes its right hand, and three of the mobile suits go flying, and they just explode against a wall. Nice! And it feels so great. Um, And it's just a fun little bonus round thing that they threw in, to get more points and level up your suit more. It's great, I love it. So, yeah, it's cool. But the actual real deal fighting in, like, multiplayer is really great. I had a lot of fun with it. One thing I actually tried out, and, like, the game is not balanced at all for it, but I had a lot of fun doing this uh, anyways. There is a 1v1 mode, which is super busted, um, because some suits are not well-equipped for that mode, let me tell you. Um, and there is a 3v3 mode, which is even more busted and chaotic and does not feel right at all, but leads to some Looney Tune situations, which are funny as fuck. Um, so I'm having a lot of fun. Good. Johnson and I entered a tournament. How'd that go? Uh, we haven't played yet. Oh, I thought it, I thought it was like yesterday. No, it doesn't start till, uh, next weekend, I think. Oh okay, yeah. We he's playing the goof custom, and I'm playing the regular goof, and we're calling ourselves. We entered. We literally entered the tournament. It's a uh, by the way, it's a Waypoint uh, Casuals tournament, not run by the Waypoint staff themselves, but by like I think one of their Discord mods. Don't quote me on that, but some some person in the community. So yeah, we're doing the Waypoint Community Casual tournament. Um, we entered as the Goof Troop. We literally submitted the name Goof Troop on our form. I'm going to be playing as the Goof. He's going to be playing as the Goof Custom. We're not going to switch. Even if it's a bad idea. And it'll be a good yeah. time. Yeah. We'll probably do that.
1: It's a shame they're not... Uh, like They don't have like an official stream of it or anything.
0: Yeah, unfortunately. I, I am going to put up match recordings. Because uh, one of the options in the sign-up survey was... Hey, are you comfortable with other teams... Or, like, basically, like, are you fine being recorded or are you going to be recording sort of thing? And I, you know, I, I marked the right shit for that. So, when we fight teams that are fine with being recorded or whatever, or are recording themselves, like, obviously I'll I'll record some shit with Johnson and we'll probably throw that up at some point. I'll probably yeah. just do, like, a compilation when everything's said and done. Um, just to avoid upload spam. But I, I am looking forward to that. I'm sure it's going to be a fun time. Can't nice. wait to get our asses kicked, but...
2: Nah, you'll do great.
0: You'll win. I'm practicing for it, which is something i never thought I'd be doing. Um so yeah. practicing my
2: Gundam
1: skills. Hell yeah. You're doing it.
0: Uh and then other than that, we played Fortnite yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we did. Uh so Fortnite for those of you who don't know what Fortnite is, Fortnite is made by Epic Games. And they decided, after their whole Gears of War shit, that they were gonna make a Horde Mode-style crafting game with, like, a cartoony art style, which is, I think, one of the most, like, generic setups for a 2017 video game that you could ever pitch. Yeah. And the game did not sell very well. <laughs> um, but they recently decided to make a cash-in Player unknowns Battlegrounds-influenced mode, Which is kind of awkward, because Epic Games is the... For those of you who don't know, Epic Games actually makes most of their money, not from their own video games, but by the fact that they license out Unreal Engine nowadays. Like, they're the people behind that. And PlayerUnknown's Battlegrounds runs on Unreal Engine 4. (laughs) So... It's kind of an awkward situation where they're kind of like, "Oh yeah, we we technically helped make this one game happen. We're just going to kind of take that idea now." And there's been some like weird like bickering back and forth between the two companies, which is a little awkward. Um now to be fair, I do think that like this is an obvious cash-in and I think it's kind of cheap and like a little lame. But at the same time, like, hey, I'm sorry, but people are going to do that when you make a successful thing, you know. Yeah,
1: you you don't own the rights to the concept of the... You don't own
0: the rights to a genre. Yeah. Like that that's like League of Legends getting mad that there are a bunch of mobas now. Like I'm sorry, no, but like what did you expect, you know? <laughs> yeah. So that being said, yeah. I why don't vastly... you take over for this? I've been talking a lot.
1: Oh, you know what? Sure. Um. So Fortnite is it's technically called like Fortnite's battle royale mode. It's free to play right now. So if anyone's got a PS4, it's interesting. I think it's free
0: to play forever.
1: Yeah, I I don't want to say that just in case things change, but yeah. for right now, it's free to play. Yeah. Um. There are a couple of small differences that add up to a huge change. Yeah. Um they kept the the crafting idea which seems like it would add a fun layer to the game, but based on our matches, you never have time to get anywhere with it. Yeah. Um and it's a little too easy to just destroy what other people build. To where it seems like it's a waste of time to even bother. Yeah. So that, unfortunately, doesn't really pan out the way they planned. The other thing which we kept saying is that, like, they kept the 100-player size, but man, is that island, like, 125th of the fucking size of the PUBG map. You can't land without
0: being in eyesight of, like, 10 other people, no matter where you go. It's a problem.
1: And it changes the entire game from like a let's let's gather up resources and maybe hunker down, maybe go kill people. Like there is there's a lot of different options and runs you can do in uh, battlegrounds that in Fortnite's version, unfortunately, just doesn't work because every match will just be a shootout within the first five minutes. I also, like, yeah, like, kind
0: of like what you are saying, too. I think there's just so much about this thing that was just... They didn't logically think so much shit through. Yeah. Like, the crafting is such a non-thing where it's like, hey, it's cool that you can make ramps up to, like, the tops of buildings and stuff, but, like, that's about all you're going to be using it for other than making some traps and stuff. Because if you want to make, like, a little house or, like, a little, like structure like a wall to protect yourself shit breaks fast
1: yeah it it, so it's the thing of like we've tried a couple of times where it was like okay so we, we took over this house and we fortified it up we put like metal walls all around like the top which made like a sniper's perch and we were ready uh and some guy came over the hill shot at it four times broke one of the walls jumped in and it was like well, that was like ten minutes wasted, and here we are just having another gunfight. Yeah, like minute,
0: like valuable minutes of worth can be destroyed in seconds, and that's a problem. Yeah. Also, the fact that they kept the movie like the closing circle mechanic makes it so that oh, you built up a fortress.
1: Well, time to move. Yeah, it doesn't mesh well at all, and there's no reason for the moving circle because the island is so small that like. It's Hey, if it gets down to, to three people, that island is honestly small enough that, like, you could find them, yeah. you know? And even if they didn't want to just have it be, like, three people running around looking for each other, there are other ways of doing it. Like, hey, maybe have an arrow pointing in the direction of where people are or something, you know? Or
0: or even make it so that, okay, when it gets down to 15 people or something, yeah, then the circle shit starts to happen.
1: Yeah, you don't even need to do the circle shit, just, like, highlight the map of yeah. uh, where people might be, you know?
0: Yeah. Um, th- the game feels and plays both worse and better
1: in some ways? Yeah, because, like, they've got a, a, like, so the thing about PUBG is that, like, hey, right now, it's, like, the biggest video game ever fucking made, but, like, It's janky as at- fuck fuck. It's janky as fuck, because you could tell it was, like, an indie project that didn't have a lot of money going into it It was made it by a small
0: South Korean studio. <laughs> like...
1: Yeah. And, like, this... this one clearly had more of a triple-A vibe to it, but at the same time, it, it... it's... I think it's just the fact that they're retrofitting a, a completely different game into this, mm-hmm. that it just doesn't feel 100% like
0: it should. Yeah. Like... The thing that I kept comparing it to is, like, okay, it's it's not janky. It, it has, like, an arcade style, like, third-person shooter, like, shooting system. But it feels... The, the thing that it reminds me of the most, it feels like Saints Row 3. Yeah. Which is weird, but also, Saints Row 3, not the best third-person shooting mechanics that you'd want to take from. No. It's a little spongy feeling.
1: I... Oh, and that's another thing we forgot to mention too. So, like, on top of the fact that the island is super small and there's still 100 people, you do not have nearly enough health in this game. Like, you yeah. go down in like two hits, and that's just not fun for the setup they've given us. Yeah, they've given us, us. Given us.
0: Yeah, and also when I when I meant spongy, I did not. I didn't mean like the fact that people take many bullets i mean like when you hit someone with a bullet it feels yeah like you're hitting something squishy it's weird yeah squishy is a better word than spongy it's weird totally. i don't i don't know how to describe it fully but if you've played saints row 3 it's
1: it feels very similar to that um uh, i have like honestly this game will never overtake battlegrounds for me i like battlegrounds a lot more it's like the way that game feels more i feel like i would be okay going back to this every now and then if they made like two changes and they're very easy changes to make one double the health two cut it down to 50 people
0: yeah same and then we're good <laughs> i uh think for a free-to-play thing it's pretty reet like reet i meant to say rad or neat <laughs> But I just kind of said reet, so... Cut my bit
1: out, too. That references your cut bit. Okay.
0: <laughs> uh, it's a podcast already.
2: <gasps> Woo!
1: Okay, let's get back at it.
0: Um, so yeah, that's Fortnite... Honestly, I'm kind of interested in the base game now, but not for 60. Maybe if it Definitely goes down hard. to 21 days, because, like, it it kind of seems like a fun little, like, horde mode crafty survival thing that, like, could be fun with friends for a few nights, but, like, I don't know. Yeah. Not for
1: 60. Uh, you know my man? If only there was a game where, like, you can build and craft things that had, like, some... Enemies that come out in like a Like, you know, a, a maybe at night or something. Oh, well. Yeah. I do like the fact that this game ripped off Minecraft only to then rip off PlayerUnknown's Battlegrounds. That's a thing. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I'm so fucking sick of crafting, Zach. <sighs> I've been sick of crafting.
1: Yeah. not fun the thing is it could be and like we had a moment where we were building a staircase into the sky that was kind of fun yeah and then I I had that moment where we were like building up a barricade around a house that was kind of fun but the fact that the game doesn't reward you for that at all is just like well fuck it then yeah let me go punch some trees so I can build
0: this house I I love the the modern era core gameplay loop. Mm-hmm. Man, do you know how many fucking Steam Indie games there are coming out every day where, all oh, you're stranded on an island, gotta make nope. a shelter, need to get 50 leaves, need to break down three trees? Oh, you got your shelter. Okay, now build a fire. Yep. I want to say there's at least 40 of those nowadays.
2: <sighs>
0: but, you know... What happens when you craft too much?
1: What happens when you craft
0: too much? You create a cyberpunk dystopia. So, Blade Runner. Blade Runner. Influential sci
1: fi movie. Y- you know what? Real fucking influential. Very influential. I have something
0: kind, to say about that. Kinda one of the big things that made cyberpunk fucking genre. Yeah. I think stuff beforehand. There were novels beforehand, but, like, visually. <laughs> um. So, let's get into this, because this has kind of been a thing in our lives.
1: Yeah, sure. How should we tackle this?
0: Because we can go, like... There are multiple ways. I'll just give my yeah. history, then you can give your history. We'll, we, let's start with the original film. Okay. Blade Runner is a thing that... I discovered in high school and I always kind of knew about it as like this thing that was super important and you know I I like cyberpunk shit. I cyberpunk is a genre that I always feel like I should have spent more time with as a kid. Um and I I still to this day like man, I there's a lot of like a lot of cyberpunk things that I just haven't gotten around to yet and I wish I could more but like yeah, like I always knew of Blade Runner as that thing that inspired Ghost in the Shell, that inspired, like, Cowboy Bebop, that inspired, like, Akira, you know, a bunch of anime shit that I liked, and, like, mm-hmm. a bunch of video games that I liked, and, like, Final Fantasy Seven kind of gets a lot hey. from it. <laughs> yeah, like, there's so
1: much stuff that Blade Runner, like... So, Final Fantasy Seven is a big one that I was gonna bring up. You know what else? What? And this is so fucking weird. Um... Maybe it's just because he was tweeting about it, but when I was watching this movie, I'm like, I'm getting some Metal Gear vibes at the points of this. Oh, for sure, for sure. You know, like, yeah. definitely. Um, it was super influential,
0: um, and then I watched it in high school, uh, just kind of, like, on a whim, picked up the, uh, the DVD in, like, a, fi- yeah, like, okay, so I, I used to do this thing, and honestly, sometimes I'll still do it, uh, does your Walmart have like the giant ass like fuck off bin of five dollar DVDs? I I don't go
1: to Walmart. Oh oh oh. So from for Speaking for of what, cyberpunk dystopia. So, so hey, just to clarify real quick, um, this maybe I I know that WalMarts are way bigger like in your part of the country. <laughs> yeah. Like we we've got them over here, but like over here they kind of have this stigma of being like white trashy kind of things. Oh, and, don't
0: like, get me wrong. They have no, but stigma like stigma here, too, but you, we, that's all we got.
1: Yeah, no, you, you walk into them in here and it's like, oh, this is the worst store I've ever been in. So here's the thing, Zach. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> the class struggle of my area is that we have the Walmart and the Target and the fancy people go to the Target, but it's two Ooh. minutes further away from my
2: house. Oh.
0: All right, then. Uh, yeah, like, I actively loathe going to Walmart, actually, but, like, I do it all the time. But there's a giant $5 bin of DVDs, and, um, I was just a high school student, and I was just digging through it, and I was like, oh, Blade Runner Final Cut, I know that's apparently the good one, and I probably should watch this, so yeah, fuck it, I just purchased it along with, uh, whatever, and it sat on my shelf for months, and then I think it was literally the first day of summer that year, where I was out of school, and I'm like, alright, time to just fucking relax and kill time, and I watched Blade Runner, and, like, I feel like I've been saying this a lot more, but, like, I am that guy that, like, doesn't give a fuck about spoilers at all. (laughs) <laughs> I think the only thing in my life that I truly can say I'm happy I had no idea even existed before watching or experiencing it is the Tears and Rain speech. Yeah. Um, I loved it, and like I've probably watched it at least yearly ever since, so I like Blade Runner a lot. It's a flawed movie. Um, Some of the, its treatment of women... <laughs> and mm. other races is not aged particularly well. Mm. Um, there's some bad shit in there. And also, too, like, honestly, there's some... Like, hey, I, don't know if, I don't know if we need a three-minute scene of Harrison Ford enhancing an image, but...
1: Yeah, but, like, you know, at the time, they thought that would be, like, super futuristic, you know? Yeah. Okay,
0: I don't know if we need a scene where Harrison Ford talks like this. To impress a girl, well, not to impress, but to...
1: Mm, yeah, man. Okay, so the the one bit for me. Oh, I. You know what? Let me just clear up my side of this up. Um, I saw Blade Runner a while back. Now I don't remember the exact age, but it was one day. Uh, I was a teenager, and me and my friend at the time were like, "Hey, let's just watch some old movies." And we'd throw in a bunch of old movies, and, like, we were kind of bored for all of them. Nice. Um, I think I just wasn't in the right mood or mindset to watch these things, and it was just kind of like, eh. And Dead um, Runner
0: is also, too, just to clarify, not a movie for everyone. <laughs> it is Yeah, slow. for sure.
1: It is very slow. And, like, it's even if it is a movie for you, it may not be a movie for a mood you're in. Yeah. Um, and at the time, I think I was kind of like, man, I want to watch, like, Batman. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I didn't really get into it, um, and we, like, we were talking and not even paying attention at times, too, which is a bad thing to do with that movie, I think. Yeah. Um. That is not a movie, honestly, that I would want to watch with another person. Yeah. Hey, so it was that one, and on the same day, we watched Citizen Kane, and I didn't like that either. Nice. So, like, maybe I should give Susan Kane another shot. There are, like, (laughs) so
0: many film critics rolling in their grave right now. (laughs)
1: Hey, man, I was
0: fucking bored.
1: Oh, it's a fucking sled. Big deal.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Fuck you, Orson Welles. Why
1: doesn't he just go buy another sled? No, I'm just kidding. Um... But,
2: uh...
1: Yeah, so, uh, my whole life I was just like, yeah, Blade Runner, whatever, like, it looks cool, but I was bored. Um, also, I'm pretty sure we watched a the theatrical version, but, uh, uh, yeah, when the talk of the new one was up, we, we were talking about it, and you were telling me, like, hey, man, give it an honest try, like, like, go back in. So I did, uh, watch it again, like, two days ago now, I think. Um, I liked it a lot. Surprise, surprise. Um... <laughs> I would still say, like, it's not my favorite movie of all time or anything. I probably like it a little bit less than you. Mm -hmm. But I respect it a lot.
0: It's one of those things where, it's one of those things for me where it's definitely not a top 10 movie, but I definitely see it being number 11, you know? Yeah. Um... I, the thing that will always stay with me about that movie is I can't believe that was made in 82 with just how everything looks like.
1: It looks so good. Yeah. So good. I mean, to be fair, I, I watched it like a Blu-ray version of it, but like still, mm-hmm. um, just the, the visual design, the, si- I, like, man, that, that was just fucking Midgar. Like that, yeah. you know, it that, is. that, that looks great. I loved that. Um, I've also said on here before that I am a huge fan of, like, android robot stories where they're, like, you know, that that genre of, like, robot fiction where they're, like, discovering, like, humanity and identity and stuff. And hey, um, that was the it.
0: big one for that entire, like, this is the granddaddy of that kind of you know
1: I, i'm willing to go out on a limb so one of my favorite tv shows of all time is the 2004 version of battlestar galactica that probably wouldn't exist if it wasn't for this movie yeah <laughs> because there's definitely some elements of uh this in there too mm-hmm. um yeah i i loved that like any scene with with them in it was great uh but, hey, that romance was garbage. It's really bad uh, that super
0: questionable consent scene is one of the worst things ever. That was so uncomfortable. It's really bad. Um, It's really bad, and when I recommend the movie to a lot of people that, like, I know have issues with things like that, that is a huge thing that I warn people about, because it's yeah. it takes you right out. It's I, I I was
1: not expecting that.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's gratuitous, honestly. Um, and what's even worse is, like, the rest of the movie around it, with how that character is written, acts almost as if that doesn't exist. Like, it is I almost out of character to a weird degree, and, like, I mean, hey, that guy in the rest of the script is kind of shitty, but, like, that's even up beyond what the rest of his actions are like at that point, you know?
1: So I feel like it may be one of those things where like, I don't think they really understood what they were writing. No, I don't think they didn't. I don't think they intended for it to come off quite the way it does. Uh, Oh, they super didn't. Yeah. Um,
0: also too, there's a lot of writing about this. Um, maybe having the two androids that are girls in your story being Prostitutes ain't the greatest. Yeah. Um, Also,
1: one that like kind of doesn't really do much of anything.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it has problems. Um, Also, too, like, um, very white centric movie when it's very clear that the city is very, you know, multi ethnic and pretty mixed yeah. in at that point. Um, yeah, a lot of, a lot of things have been written about that at this point.
1: Um, Oh, little, small little tidbit. Um, speaking of Battlestar Galactica, uh, it was taking me so long to figure out who this guy was in this movie as like what, one of the small cider, like side characters. And then Sider Zach characters. was like, ah, oh, it's Harrison Ford. Of course. Yeah, of course. No, man, it's Edward James Olmos, and, like, I have never seen him young. I've only ever seen him as an old man, and, like... Who is that again? Uh, he... he's the guy that gets the, the line at the end of the movie. Oh, is that Gaff? Uh, yeah, I think that was his name. Origami guy? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, uh... He's one of the main characters on *Battlestar Galactica*. He's been in a whole bunch of movies. He was mm. he, one of the weird ones I've known him as from a kid. He was uh, Selena's father in the Selena movie. Oh, yeah, I know it's a weird one, but yeah. I saw it as a kid. Yeah, so like for like a while, I was just like, I know this guy's face. <laughs> but yeah, that was fun. It's a good movie.
0: Yeah. Um. Isn't it kind of shocking how watching it?
1: Not really about the whole is Decker the Replicant thing. There is a single single mention of anything related to that, and I do not think it was I like, I don't think so. Here's my so do you do you wanna learn
0: the story about it? Uh sure. So Ridley Scott at some point in the movie was like, "Hey, what if Deckard? What what if we imply that he's a replicant?" And the other screenwriter dude was like, "Scott, that's dumb." And Harrison Ford is super against it. Yeah, super against it. Um, so in the theatrical cut, it's not really there. In the director's cut, they add in a scene of a unicorn, which was not originally from that movie. Mm. That is actually unused footage from a fantasy movie that uh, Ridley Scott did called Legend. Oh my fucking god, really? That's from Legend? (laughs) Yep, it was unused footage of a unicorn they had lying around, and they spliced (laughs) it into the movie. Um, but then there's, that ties into the scene at the end where, um, and to be fair, this scene is in the original theatrical cut, I believe, where Rachel's in the apartment and he sees that Gaff left him the little origami unicorn. Mm. Now what that originally meant to be was Gaff saying, Hey, I'm gonna give you a head start. Good luck. Yeah, But what that turns into with that added dream sequence is, oh, I maybe know what your dreams are. As if to imply your memories are also implants. Um, I think the whole ambiguity of, oh, are you a replicant or not, is maybe, like, a cute little thing to think about, and it's like, oh, that changes some stuff, kind of, sort of, but, like, that movie is about so much more, and I kind of hate how that's become the thing.
1: So, I didn't even put... I didn't even put two and two together on the unicorn bit. Yeah. I, I took the origami as just him leaving him like a thing.
0: Yeah.
1: And uh, I honestly forgot about the dream sequence because it was in the cut I watched. I watched the final cut and it's just like, okay. Yeah. Um, I thought the whole thing was stemming from the bit in the apartment where Rachel just asked him, Did, have you ever taken the test? And he he's already answer. gone to sleep. Yeah. yeah. Um, and all I took that to be is her just like, you know coming to terms with this, you know? Like, I, I would never have said that I thought the movie was suggesting that. Yeah, and also,
0: so the original short story, which which is also worth the read, I think a lot of people forget about it nowadays, um, it's completely different in a lot of ways, but it's still about, like, the whole replicant thing. Um... There's a point where the main character and some other cop dude are just having an existential crisis, and they're like, "Let's let's just fucking do the test just to make sure," and then they both come back as being human, and they're like, "Okay, thank god." Um, and it's kind of just this random like drama moment halfway through the story, and then they get over it, like, "Okay, now we're both human. It's fine." <laughs> um, but yeah, and also too, like, the movie already does a job of showing with Rachel, like, "Oh, hey." what do you do with this whole situation when we start making new Nexus models of these replicants and you can't tell as easily, you know? Like, yeah. an idea's already there and it doesn't involve Deckard at all, really. It's just kind of
1: thrown out there. Um, Honestly, it, like, the, the idea of, like, what if Deckard was a replicant reminds me of, like, the... What if the Rugrats were dead all along? Like... <laughs> That that's not what that movie's about. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um,
0: Roy Batty is one of my
1: favorite villains
0: in anything.
1: Yeah. He's good.
0: There's a lot of really good lines. If only you could see what I've seen with your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and like, fucking quoting random poetry about angels falling and There's so much in there. Also, the fact that that entire movie is about, like, him basically going back down to Earth to question God if he could become immortal, and then finding out that's super not the case, and then killing God. (laughs) Nah. There's a lot to unpack with that movie that I'll always love it for. But, um... So, watching that movie, Zach, I feel like you could at least feel some trepidation about whether or not that needs a sequel yeah um i didn't think they could do it and i've never been happier to be proven wrong in my life
1: that is incredible and i need to know so
0: i'm not gonna spoil stuff especially like not just for you but also for the fact that like people listening to this probably haven't gotten the chance to see it yet because it just came out. I saw it first showing Thursday because I needed to know. Um, So there's been like people talking about it forever and my whole thing was like, okay, if Ridley Scott is going to ruin this like he ruined Alien, like fuck off, I don't care. Turns out Ridley Scott's not directing and then I'm like, okay, that's good, but I still don't care. Um... Get to a point where we see the first trailer. And it looks pretty cool. But then I'm also kind of like, Ryan Gosling? Like, I mean, I don't like hate him on principle like I know a lot of like dudes do, but I'm like, that's not who I would have picked for the main, you know what I mean? Like, eh, that's interesting. And I'm still not really interested, but I'm like, okay, that trailer didn't seem as terrible as it could have been and then they started releasing these shorts that are interquels set between the original and uh 2049 the first one is jared leto
1: Ooh.
0: um who is playing the role of new cyberpunk like tech bro who is like has a god complex uh, showing off the new replicant model. I, I keep saying replicant, but it's it's replicant. Pronunciations are hard. Um, to a committee of lawmakers after replicants have been made illegal. And him just hamming it up with, like... Him basically talking about, like, we need to break through the firmament, and, like, all this other shit. And my takeaway was, oh my god, is this movie giving Jared Leto a role where he's, like douchey enough that he's a good character? Hmm. And the answer is yeah. Wow. I didn't even know he was in it. He's the antagonist. Oh my god. And he's fucking great. Um... There's actually something that made me kind of laugh a little bit, um... Because we keep hearing this with different, like, movie and TV productions. Uh, the director was like, okay, I want, like, a guy who is, like, very, like... Very passionate, very, like, kind of has the Messiah-God complex thing going on, and, like, kind of has that Silicon Valley, like, I'm gonna change the world sort of thing. But I also want him to, like, give off the vibe like he's a rock star. So their original pick was gonna be David Bowie. Oh. And then that didn't work out. But they went with Jared Leto, and it works! It it actually works. This is the only time I've seen Jared Leto in something where I'm like, holy shit, he is perfect. He's great. Like, it actually sold me on him acting. Oh, alright. Uh I was shocked. Um Dave Batista is also in the movie. Oh. Um which, okay, not gonna lie, every time I see him in anything now I'm like, oh hey, it's Drax, but um <laughs> you know uh from Guardians of the Galaxy. But Sure. Um, and also that random dude from the third Riddick movie. Um, oh, jeez, you watched the third Riddick movie? I saw it in the theaters. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Riddick is one of my guilty pleasures, along with the Underworld series, Leave mm. Me Alone. Um, but, yeah, he's great. Ryan Gosling's great. Uh, he's not in the shorts, though. Um. So that was the first short, was just, like an introduction to the antagonist with Jared Leto's character. The second is, uh... a year before 2049 takes place, and it's about Dave Bautista's character and how he gets reported as being a replicant. And it's basically him just, like, getting into a street fight to, like, protect a little girl and her mom. And it was, like, emotionally resonant and pretty good. And then the third short came out. Blade Runner Blackout 2022 which I think is a must-see for anyone who has seen the original Blade Runner. Oh. Um, it's talking about the inciting incident. So so Blade Runner 1 it takes place 2019. So this is three years after. And it shows within the canon what happened to make replicants outlawed for ten years after the events of the original film. It's about two repli- it, So, actually, I should start before that. It's an anime short- The other two were live-action. It's an anime short directed by the dude who did Cowboy Bebop. Oh, okay. It's beautiful. Yeah. And it's two replicants and their human, uh, friend... Basically launching a terrorist attack. And it's kind of fucking amazing. I- I love it. I've rewatched it, like, five times now. Mm. Um... It's animated beautifully, and between, like, it gave me the feeling that Karno Kyokai did, where I'm like, why the fuck can't more of this medium be like this? It, it <laughs> made me angry. Um, English dub is kind of bad, but also they're robots, so I was kind of fine with it a little bit. Um, but yeah, it's great, and uh, it is a must view. And between those three shorts, I was kind of like, okay, I think they're winning me over. And then the critical reception was like day one embargo lifted, and it had like I think it was a ninety seven percent on Rotten Tomatoes, and I was like, okay, I think they did it. They fucking did it. I am gonna spoil one thing, if you don't mind. It's right yeah, at the, no, go right ahead. At the beginning, okay. So Officer K, who is the new Blade Runner protagonist, um and is, like, Ryan Gosling's character. The movie starts with a fight scene that is super Blade Runner, with, like, whole, like, oh, you're a replicant, I'm a Blade Runner, I'm gonna take you down. They start breaking through drywall and getting into, like, a huge slap fight type thing. And then you get the line, what's it like killing your own kind? Within the first five minutes, they just reveal, nah, this new dude's a replicant. Okay. They start with the question that everyone wants, like, like they just start where the sec- like where the first one ended, kind of. Like, yeah, that's not even a question. This one, it's just the starting point, and none of the marketing materials even like reference that or anything. Um, they add on to the original mythology of the original Blade Runner in a way that's really great. Um they kind of make that kind of crappy romance a little more profound and made me care a little bit more about Rachel. And they take it into a very interesting direction. Uh, They leave room open for a sequel, but also if it ended here, it would be fine. I kind of hope we get a sequel. Yeah. As long as the same people make it. Um... They didn't dumb down any of the ideas. It's as slow as ever. It's as profound as ever. Most importantly, I think, it looks just as incredible. And the soundtrack is just as good.
1: So, here's my question. Yeah? Blade Runner is one of those movies that's, like, made, you know, a while ago now, and they had a vision of the future. So, you get, like... It's supposed to be the future, but we got CRTVs and like yep. old school eighties tech. Does this carry on with that or? There's an Atari logo. Oh nice. Okay.
0: Um Yeah, they they have all the Atari ads and like random defunct company logos. The Soviet Union still exists. Oh, that is solid. Um They do- Okay, so the main character's girlfriend is actually, like, an iPhone hologram thing. (laughs) Which they play around with. Actually, that one thing I will say. They go into the fact that, like, hey, it's a cyberpunk future, and, like, there's some sex work things, and, like, hey, sometimes women robot androids and, like, artificial women light- Like, sexism doesn't stop existing in this reality, and, like, hey, robo-women are kinda treated like shit, but I think they're more- sensitive about it in this movie. A big part of the movie is the main character's relationship with his hologram waifu, and, like, him coming to terms with, like, we love each other, but also, like, I'm kind of falling in love with an app.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and they go interesting ways with that. And actually, that's one thing I will say. They take the near Automata direction of it, of, like, the whole question of, hey, are androids people isn't a fucking thing anymore. They just take that for granted now. They take... They go the next step up. Like, yeah, they, okay. they kind of just assume that everyone's kind of agreed, like, okay, androids feel things just like people do. They, like, maybe have soul... Like, actually, that's more of what this movie is about. Hey, so if androids are people, are they people with souls? Like, how hey, did should you... we treat them? like all? Do of a you like trip. that question? Uh, yeah. You should
1: watch Battlestar Galactica.
0: <laughs> it's on the list. I'll get to it. <laughs> um, they they don't retread much ground.
1: They yeah, that's on. good.
0: That's good. They pay lip service to the whole is Deckard a replicant? Why don't? I, why why am I having problems with a pronunciations today? They they play lip service a little bit to the whole hey is is Deckard a replicant thing, but they leave it ambiguous still, which I love. Um, like one character questions it at one point, and Deckard's like, "Fuck off! It's
1: not important." Um, <laughs> but Rosin, if re- if if Deckard's a replicant, where's his Gestalt? Ah, uh, near. Oh man is isn't
0: that gratuitous now that you've seen it? <laughs> it's real oh, well, bad with that one. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, I loved it. It's honestly, if people told me, I'm at the point where if people told me that they loved it more than the original, I would totally not fight it. I don't know if I'd agree, but I could see why, you know? Um, I also have in the back of my mind the feeling that there are going to be some things that on repeat viewings and when people dive more into it as people are wants to do with the Blade Runner movie, um, maybe won't hold up to scrutiny. Just kind of like a... I don't have a justifiable reasoning for that, really. It's just kind of a feeling I left the theater with. Kind of like, there's a few things that I could see maybe not working. But let's be fair, there's some things in that original film that don't hold up well under scrutiny, too. So Yeah. You know. I really loved it. It's probably my favorite movie I've seen in years, actually. Um, I was so fucking happy about it. Um it left, like, I kind of had trouble sleeping after I got home from the theater, and, like, that's a good sign for me. Like, there was things in that movie that I, I'm still thinking about. I, I loved it to death. Um, hey! Also, hey, if you can see it in theaters, with a the good sound system, oh my god, my butt was vibrating the whole time. <laughs> like, they they really, really love their loud, bass-heavy soundtrack with this. It's great.
1: I was gonna say, speaking of uh, you not being able to sleep after seeing Blade Runner, you wrote a real good fucking blog. Yeah, And right. I'm gonna give. I'm gonna give a shout out right here. People go read Rosin's blog and check out his website because that was good. Rosin
0: that in send the blog section, kids.
1: Yeah, I had some lingering. The, uh,
0: part of this movie too deals with the whole implanted memories thing that the original brought up, and honestly, they deal with it in a way that is very akin to Near Automata. <laughs> <laughs> If you like that game, you're going to like this movie a lot. Um, oh. There's some things I want to say to praise this movie for, but I feel like I'd be kind of spoiling it for the people that care about spoilers, so I'm just going to shut up. But there's stuff towards the end of the movie that, like, oh, I love so much. Um, yeah, I, I like, go see it if you're interested. It's fantastic. Yeah. Um and, like, yeah, I had a personal response to it that I was kind of like, oh, wow, this made me think about things that uh, actually I'm going to bring up in later conversations regarding some other stuff on this agenda that we're going to talk about. Okay. <laughs> um, It's going to be a very roundabout way that you're probably not going to anticipate, Zach, but, oh, boy, when we get to it, we'll get to it, and you'll see. Yeah. <laughs> I got some explaining to do. Uh, But, yeah, it's fantastic. Uh, actually, one thing I will say, probably my big criticism Um. One of the threads that does not get resolved that is left open to the sequel is Jared Leto's character is kind of left open at the end of the movie to be dealt with in a sequel. His his second-in-command kind of becomes the primary antagonistic force towards the end. Mm. Uh, because there's kind of two antagonists they focus on instead of just, like... Like, let's be real, there's four replicants that are that are on the loose in the original, but it's Roy's movie.
1: Yeah, of course.
0: Because they kind of divvy up that to these two separate characters, not as strong of an antagonist, but I think the rest of the movie works around that and has enough interesting things going on that that's fine. So I, I was fine with it, but, like, I kind of wish that we had a little bit more of a stronger antagonist. But that's not to see the antagonists are bad, but, like, it's not Roy. <laughs> so. But, hey, it's yeah. a hard legacy to live up to. Oh, also, too, I just want to point out to anyone who, because we're going to move on, I think, but um, for anyone that uh, wants to watch Blade Runner, the original, before watching 20... 20- 49 in the shorts and stuff. Well, actually, one, I do recommend you see Blade Runner Fresh before 2049, because it adds a lot. And also, don't skip out on those shorts. I really do think they add a lot to the experience, because, like, characters will reference, like, oh, the blackout, and they give you enough context in the film to know what that event is and what it means. But it's one thing to hear about it, and it's another thing to see the story of the replicants that were involved in it, and how amazing it is to kind of, like, see the impact of that short on the rest of this universe. Um, but yeah, if you want to see the original Blade Runner, watch the final cut. It's the only version that matters at this point. The theatrical version you should maybe watch to laugh at, because the big two differences are that they forced Harrison Ford, not Ridley Scott, the studio forced Harrison Ford to come in after the movie was edited to give a detective noir-style voiceover that he intentionally fucked up. <laughs> the story behind it is that Harrison Ford was like, this is dumb. Like, let the audience just take in the movie. Don't make me explain shit for them. So he went in to record the voiceover, and he did it so bad on purpose that he said, they'll be crazy if they add this this into the movie. And they added it into the movie. Good. So the entire movie has this narration of Harrison Ford being like, "That's me eating sushi, cold fish. That's what my ex-wife used to call me." <laughs> um. Also, the end of the movie is so sabotaged to be painful. Um. It ends with uh. So you know how the movie ends with like Rachel and Deckard getting into the elevator. Yeah. There's a scene of them in a car on a highway after that with happy music playing and them giving them, like, little lovey-dovey eyes. And they're in God. this bright green highway, like, the flowers are blooming, they're <laughs> driving down the road. Like, now that we're out of that shitty, dystopian city, we can live our real life, you know? Oh, that's so bad! Okay, here's the worst thing. Immediately following the Tears and rain speech... It cuts to Deckard's face. And then the voiceover cuts in. And you hear Harrison Ford going, I don't exactly know what he meant by that. Oh, God. But I think in his final moments that he loved life more than he ever had before. All of it. Including my life.
1: I think I need to rewatch the theatrical version
0: now. (laughs) So if you have Netflix that's the version they sadly have on there. Fuck. It's so fucking funny after you've seen the final cut with how, like, it ruins the movie in so many ways, but, like, like, I mean, I think the movie is still good in spite of it. Um, also, there's kind of a funny thing. So, like, back back in 82, CGI wasn't really a thing yet. Um, when they recorded that final scene with Roy... Um, And he lets go of the dove, and it flies off into the sky. Um, The rain was starting to clear up, and they couldn't get a good fucking shot of the dove when it was still raining, because the dove didn't want to fucking fly in a storm, obviously. So the next best thing was, like, oh, like, half of the sky is, like, stormy still, and there's, like, rays of, like, evening sunlight coming in. (laughs) so the shot of the dove has this like oh the sky is clear and then it immediately cuts back to deckard and it's just like pitch black again. (laughs) like it's super inconsistent it's great yeah blade runner's really good i'm happy you enjoyed it It makes me feel good yeah it's good it has problems but it's good
1: it's good sci-fi
0: yeah was there anything, I'm just curious before we move on, was there anything else that you saw other than, like, the, what you've already said, like, FF7, like, Battlestar, that you're like, oh, that's where this is from?
1: Yeah, uh, FF7 was the big one. Yeah. Uh, Battlestar Galactica, uh, Metal for... Gear Solid. L's Gun from Death Note. Yeah, sure.
0: <laughs> it was just a Blade Runner Blaster, it's so bad.
1: Uh, yeah, but just in general, like, Android, like, fiction, a lot of the stuff I like, I can see coming from here.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Um, Now, to be fair, too, I think some of the stuff I've, like... I kind of, like... Midgar, Battlestar Galactica, I like those a little bit more than I like this. But, like, I totally respect this as, like, the origin of a lot of those things, I guess.
0: Yeah, I I feel like the only thing that's come close to having this much impact on, like, sci-fi in terms of, like, movies is... Well, other than Star Wars, which is the obvious, is, um, Alien. Yeah, definitely. Like, in terms of just aesthetic and, like, kind of, like, tone and atmosphere. Um, yeah. Which you should also watch if you haven't seen, viewer. It's a good one. Are you, are you more of an Alien or an Aliens person, Zach? Because I've <laughs> gone back and forth. When I was growing <laughs> up, I was an Aliens guy, but I've gone back and forth. Now that Depends on my mood entirely. Yeah, same. It's October, I want to watch Alien again actually. I don't think I've seen it in uh I, I might not have seen Alien Fresh since like maybe senior year of high school.
1: I rewatched it when uh Alien Isolation was coming out. Oh fuck, I need to play that too. It's good. Yeah. I need to finish it. I only got like a couple hours in. I know
0: that game drags a little bit towards the end from what I hear. Yeah I know, I know a lot of people that wished that game was ten instead of fifteen hours. Yeah. Um, so, speaking of sci-fi... Speaking of sci-fi... We're done with
1: my agenda now, so let's move on to yours. Hey, guess what? Mine is gonna be real fast and not very interesting. Okay. Um, there is a new Star Trek TV show. Yep. Star Trek Discovery, if you haven't heard about it, uh, that's fine, because you'll probably never hear about it again. Um, this show aired on TV for one episode, and then when that episode... You know what? Fuck that Half the episode aired on TV, because it was a two-part two uh, intro, you know? So two episodes airing as one pilot, I guess. Yeah. Um, the, the first half, the first hour aired on TV, and then they went, well, if you want to watch uh, the rest of the show, including the second half of the pilot, uh, head on over to our subscription-based streaming service that CBS has, apparently. Um. And that's where the show is going to be exclusively. If you live outside of America, you might have it on Netflix, but uh, if you're inside America, it's only on the CBS streaming service, which is not worth buying in any circumstance for this show. (laughs) Um, I think okay, so yeah, Star Trek Discovery, it's uh, okay. It's fine. Um, I think its setup is interesting. I'm not the biggest Star Trek fan, but I like it you know? Yeah. And uh, this show could have been a mildly entertaining, slightly successful Star Trek TV show that's doing a modern TV take on Star Trek. It's not It's not as episodic or uh, methodical as the old shows. It's more of a modern, like, we've got a plot and every episode is going to progress the plot type thing, at least based on question. three episodes in. Sure,
0: shoot. So I I I've never really seen Star Trek stuff other than like some of the movies including like yeah. one of the one of the old movies and one like I think one or two of the newer ones. Um Is there so correct me if I'm wrong, the last wa- the last TV series other than like obviously not counting this like the one before this was like was that late 90s early 2000s around that time?
1: I think or it was not? In the 2000s?
0: Okay. Is there a reason that, like, it went on so long without
1: a TV series? Uh, because the last one bombed super fucking hard. Oh, okay, I never knew that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, the, the movie started bombing, and the last TV show bombed. Okay. And that's why it was kind of put on ice until, uh... Until that Abrams the, the, thing. The Abrams reboot. Okay. Which, now, a lot of people are down on that movie. I like that movie a lot as, like, a fun sci-fi thing, you mm-hmm. know? I think that's a a good movie if you take it on its own merit. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, hey, it kind
0: of revived the fucking thing,
1: Yeah. To to me, Star Trek is the next generation. That's the one that I have the most experience with. Mm -hmm. That that TV show is Star Trek to me. Um, This one's fine. It's interesting. Uh, It's got a female main character, which is pretty cool. cool. Yeah. She's not a captain... Uh, she's actually like, hey, spoilers for the end of episode one. Um, she she ends up being like a prisoner, and she's like on a she's working on a ship as of episode three, sort of under forced labor. Oh, and then there's like a war happening in the background that like the ship is developing tech for. Um, it could be interesting. The thing is, um, no one's gonna buy a subscription to cbs to watch it it's not that good you we're, know
0: we're seeing this thing happening where everyone's trying to become their own subscription service now and the next logical conclusion from this is that they're all going to start to fail because they don't have enough shit to justify their own thing yeah and then they're going to start bundling themselves together and then hey guess what we're just back to cable again Mm, and then the cycle will continue. <laughs> I
1: I think the thing that frustrates me is that this show had potential to be something, and they're sending it to die because they want it to be the catalyst for something that won't happen. Yeah. And that's a shame. That that really sucks. Yeah. So, Star Trek Discovery, uh, not worth it. If you live outside the U.S. and you like Star Trek, maybe see if it's on your Netflix. But other than that, don't bother unless you want to pirate it, but... Yeah, um, that's unfortunate. Uh, other than that, I started Danganronpa 1, because I was seeing the hype around 3, and I spoiled myself on the ending of 3, and it made me want to play the whole series. Nice. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I never got, like, I'm still on chapter 1, to be fair. Mm Mm-hmm. I like the setting and the setup a lot, but I don't like any of the characters so far. Yeah. And it's kind of a little too anime for what I want it to be. Yeah. And, like, I I get that that's some people's thing, and I'll I'll maybe keep going with it, but... I kind of hate the art style. Yeah, I'm not the biggest fan of the art style. The art style
0: screams anime kid that loves Hot Topic a little too much.
1: I don't know why every time I talk to people, their character model jumps. Yeah. That's weird. Um, And yeah, but really the big thing for me is that I don't like any of the characters. So that, that creates a problem where unless things change and make me like them, I won't care if anyone dies and I won't care if anyone's a murderer. And that's kind of a big deal for a game like that. Yeah. I so. Dang and is the thing that I don't to be fair, I don't think
0: those games are entirely for me. I I mean and also too, I didn't really play them. It's more like I read them through mm-hmm. different means. Yeah. Um Two fucks with your expectations as like a, what you would think a sequel to Danganronpa 1 would be in some really cool ways. And that's kind of my favorite Danganronpa thing as a result. Um, other than that, though, I think the Danganronpa games have this thing where like they're pretty well-written, but I think people kind of hype up a little bit. I think people make them out to be a little bit more well-put-together than they actually are. Yeah, Like, there's some twists and turns along the way that are pretty fun and enjoyable, admittedly, but, like, I, like you said, it's a little too, they play into, like, wacky anime character tropes a little bit too much for my liking, and, like I said, like, I I fucking hate the character designs. Like, I'm sorry, but, like, it's something about how that guy draws, like, people's mouths. Just pisses me off. Like, everyone has the weird chipmunk teeth thing going, uh, I don't know why. It just bothers me. But, um, yeah, honestly, like, I hate, oh God, I really hate to be that guy to be like, oh, well, just play blank. But, like, I kind of just like Zero Escape more.
1: Yeah, well, I, so I, I haven't gotten to Zero Escape, but, like, I, I, the the appeal of this to me was like, ooh, murder mystery, like a bunch of people trapped on a murder, th- like, I don't know. Yeah, and to be fair, 999 is similar but different to that, too. so Yeah, maybe I'll just go over to those, who knows. Yeah. But yeah, hey, that was my week. <laughs> nice. That's all I have on my agenda.
0: All right, so let's move into the meat and potatoes. We've been building up to this.
1: Yeah, we have. It's been a, a multi-episode arc. So as of today,
0: and for the first time ever, with my new beautiful TV, I watched *Karno Kyokai* four through eight. You watched eight. Yeah, the epilogue.
1: That's not eight.
3: Oh, okay.
1: Th- there's an eighth movie. Oh. It it came out like a couple years later, and whatever. I haven't even watched it, so. Just to specify that Mirai, whatever, was not watched.
3: Okay, yeah, yeah.
1: Um, Hmm. I got some thoughts. Should we just go in movie order? Sure, let's go. I mean, that that makes sense, because if people haven't been paying attention, the past three episodes have had one, two, and three opinions on them. So might as well.
0: So movie four. Yeah. I liked... But I think it's the weakest one for me.
1: It it's the it stands on its own the the least. Yeah, like it feels like part two of two. And I, God, this is gonna sound kind
0: of bad. I don't know if I needed that fight scene in there. Honestly, like I know you have to have one because it's a standalone movie, and like people would have been mad if it wasn't in there. But like, yeah. I don't know. It felt kind of shoehorned in. And like it was, a little bit. Like, it was just like, oh, there's a random spooky ghoul that took over the dude. <laughs> like... Yeah. <laughs> so here's the thing, too. They show that the dude has a tattoo, and I'm like, oh, that's important. No, it's not. It's not important so, at all.
1: <laughs> so the thing I will say is that the, the theme of possession does play heavily into the idea of identity and self that is important for her arc in that movie. Yeah. So, I I think having the creepy ghoul possession thing is good. Um. I don't know if it needed to turn into a fight at the end, but it's not a very long fight, so... Yeah.
0: Um... Oh, and I want to clarify something. So, this is kind of jumping forward a little bit. So... I don't know how the fuck... Because we talked about this a little bit at the end. They reveal in number seven what happened with the whole car crash thing and finally yes. show off what happened. But if you remember, you, you were confused last podcast how I knew about the car crash already. I was, yeah. My my memory of the order of things was off. So here's my thing. I'm starting to wonder how I knew about the car crash thing because I, th- I have this memory in my head of them showing off someone with the silhouette of Shiki and like a truck like, but, like, I distinctly remember it being, like, an alleyway, not, like, in that forested road, and, like, mm-hmm. someone that looks like shiki getting hit by a truck, I want to say, but, like, now I'm starting to think that maybe that was a different scene, and I just happened to misinterpret the scene into a thing that just also turned out to be the case. Maybe. It's really weird, and I was super confused, and I kind of want to go back through into that movie and see what the fuck I did. Um, like, maybe my mind just happened to, like, guess something, right, based off two, like, wrong things that weren't exactly there. I don't know. Um, yeah,
1: well, well, I know in one of them, I don't remember which one, I don't know if it's the end of two or the beginning of four, where you get, like, cuts of her, like, tumbling after being hit. May I think it might
0: be the end of three. Because mm. they also show her being rushed into the ambulance in the uh, in the end of three.
1: You mean the end of two?
0: No, the end of, th- like, the post-credits for, like, the next episode preview.
1: Oh, right, yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, no, but, uh, yeah, th- actually, that's what I'm thinking of. At the end of 2, they do show something that I... Because I, rem- I remembered from 2 was where I got confused and thought about the car thing. So maybe, the, yeah, th- there must be something towards the end there that implies it. At least that made me thinking that general direction.
1: Yeah.
0: Um... But yeah, uh, I don't have too much
1: to say about four other than that. Also, I, I do want to specify, like, is the, this is a spoiler cast that we're going into here. Yeah. Yeah, we're going all in on the spoilers. So, hey, you've had, like, three episodes now of us talking <laughs> about Gokai to watch this if you wanted to. Yeah, <laughs> And also, we always have timestamps in the descriptions of
0: our podcast, so hey, if you're really yeah, worried, course. you can just yeah. go skip ahead to emails. Um. I also kind of dig, though, that, like, uh, when, uh, oh god, what's her name? Is it Toko or Toki? Toko. 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 Toko.
1: (laughs) T-O-U-K-O. Yep,
0: yeah, Toko. When she shows up, and she's like, yeah, I'm a mage, and, like, it's like, oh, that's just, like, an element of a thing of this universe, and it's not the big thing that everyone is, that's kind of refreshing. (laughs) What do you mean? Like, in Fate, everyone's a fucking mage
1: right well yeah and then she yeah. shows
0: up in this and it's like oh no like she's kind of the one at first you know like
2: yeah yeah this
0: one character that's part of the cast is a mage and everyone else just has something else going on like miki is just kind of a guy <laughs> and like
2: yeah.
1: shiki... it's funny cause i don't even think there's any in tsukihime
0: <laughs> yeah like I, I kind of dug that, where it's like, oh, yeah, like, there's more to these this universe. And I know I already talked about that with, like, the shit in, uh, 3. But, like, it's just refreshing. Yeah. Um, because, like, yeah, we've already seen, like, a bunch of, like, different ghosts and shit already at this point, too, that, like, fate never got into. Um, that's all I have to say about 4.
1: I, I, I have a little bit more to say about 4, because that's the movie that introduces properly... Her mystic eyes of death perception. Yeah. An element of that story that does not get a lot of focus, but is important. Yeah. I really, really liked her coming to grips with that.
0: Yeah, I also love how her first instinct is, I'm gonna fucking gouge out my eyes. Cause yeah. Because you know what?
1: Yeah. <laughs> like, that's, <laughs> yeah. That's fair. <laughs> I found so um, I I thought it was interesting because they talk in um I read Tsukihimi before I did this and the character in there also has them and they talk about how like being able to see death makes him feel sick and it kind of fucks with him um, I don't know if maybe just because I it didn't say it in there or like I skipped over it because I was younger and I wasn't you know paying as much attention but like I, I, I liked how they tried to show you that. She's not just seeing, like, lines and dots. She can see the death, you know? Yeah. Like, so it's that, that overwhelming is...
0: overwhelming, too. Yeah, yeah. And, like, my my whole thing was, like... I, so I don't even know if I necessarily at first got, oh, she's seeing death itself and everything sort of thing. Yeah. But, like, my thing was, like, one, it's overwhelming and, like, alien, and two, like, she's seeing how fucking fragile everything is.
1: yes. That is a huge element of it, yeah.
0: And that was really interesting to me, too.
1: Yeah, they delve into that in the Tsukihime one, too. But, yeah, that's 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 a cool thing. But, um, yeah, no, I liked... Uh, it really does, honestly, like feel like it's part two of movie two. And part of the reason why I normally just watch them chronologically.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I, whenever
0: I revisit these, probably in, like, a couple years or, you know, a year or two, whatever... Like yeah.
1: I'm gonna do the chronological thing just to see how that goes. there's another reason, which I have completely chosen not to mention that we will get to later that I like them chronologically as well. Okay. We'll we'll get to that at, at the end.
0: Okay. Um Should we move on to Mujin Razin?
1: Yeah, let's do it. My what namesake.
0: You think. So you told me... So people have been hyping up Mujin Rasen, which is Kart Okyokai no 5. Yeah. Only one that I know the Japanese title of, because it has spiral in it, and contra- controversial fact, Rasen means spiral, so... The movie's name is Paradox Spiral. It's Mujin Rasen. Um been hearing a lot of hype about this one from you and from other people, and then I know at some point you were like, okay, I feel like I'm overhyping you a little bit, because it's a weird film. Yes. I have, this is the first movie in a while where the credits started to roll, and I just looked at my TV, and I went, I don't know what I was supposed to get from that. (laughs) Like, I was just kind of baffled, and I just thought about it, Now, here's my theory about what I was supposed to take away from that film. Okay. I think the main theme of that one is supposed to be that Tomoe's origin is that he's worthless, and everything about him in the movie was kind of worthless and pathetic. But then... Um... Shiki has that line towards the end in the final fight scene where she says, the only reason you're dying tonight was because of him. Mm -hmm. And the idea that even if someone is worthless, there are people around them that can give them worth or create worth out of worthlessness.
1: Yeah, I definitely think that's part of it, yeah. Uh,
0: Other than that, I got no fucking...
1: Alright, so, hey, like, this, this shit, is my favorite one. Two hours of what the f- There's a weird cat demon at some point. This is my favorite one. Um,
0: this is a fucking trip of a movie, man.
1: So It is. It's weird, and it tells its story in a weird, inconsistent, out-of-order way. There's
0: like three parts, I think.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure in, like- I'm pretty sure one part is called Paradox Spiral and the other part is called Spiral Paradox. I think so, yeah. Um, so this is a tight moon ass tight moon movie. Okay. <laughs> um, that's fair. I really, really like stories of like the mages doing fucked up things to try to reach the root. <laughs> um. And I like how this connects a lot of things into that. Were you watching those post credit scenes, like I said? Yeah. So, I really like how the fourth one gives you the context of, like, hey, guess what? All this shit was leading here. Yeah. And then it's, like, not the end of the series. I like that the logical climax still has two movies after it. So, do you know why that is? What do you mean?
0: So this is actually something I, I was told by someone else, and the, apparently it's a thing. So yeah. the original Karno Kyokai as it was written, as like kind of like a small like subculture thing, ended with Mujin Mujinrazen. And then when it got actually published as a novel, he added part 6 and 7 and the epilogue.
1: Oh, no, I did not know that.
0: Which... Makes sense.
2: When you think
1: about it. That being said, though... That's interesting. I'll have to look into that, because I I do feel like... Seven is critical to the story in a lot of ways. It is. And, like, seven is the proper ending. It's just that the story continued after the logical climax.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And to be fair, that might have been them touching it up afterwards. Yeah, that's true too. Um, But I want—I wonder if the stuff in 2 was added later then. Because there's so much about 2 that d- wouldn't be resolved if he didn't have 7. Well, I know that apparently, I think you
0: might have told me this, like, he wanted to rewrite Karno Kyokai at some point, because it's always that thing where he's like, I can't read it anymore, because it's pretty shit. Um, mm. and I know he wants to remake Sugahime. So, okay, maybe this is the other person then, but, like, I have too many Type moon people in my life, I guess, but, um, I know that apparently his thing is, like, he's kind of embarrassed about how Karno Kyokai* is written, because, like, he feels like he's improved a lot since then. And I mean,
1: yeah, he says
0: that, he says that about everything, honestly. Oh, okay, but apparently he said something like, oh, I wanted to rewrite the novels, but seeing how the movies turned out, I'm happy with this as it is now. That's fair. So, I feel like maybe those movies did touch up a bit more of the story than we know, but
1: wow, well, um going back to five though, um I think that that movie's really cool. I like the story a lot. I like the characters a lot. Um, Toko is awesome. yeah, she's great. Um, five is is the main reason why I like her as much as I do. The, the, the reveal that she, you know, the, the puppet reveal. <laughs> yeah. Um, really good. What'd you think of Alba? Who, uh, Bl- blonde hair, Cornelius? Blonde, blonde hair, yeah. Um. Did you think that that would be the guy that was in the Fate Zero episode? No.
0: Yeah. And, uh. I like how they make him out to be a big deal, and he kinda doesn't do that much, actually.
1: Nope, yeah, he's pretty two bit. Like, he
0: smashes he gets... Mikia's face in, and then, like, he just kinda goes out. <laughs> yeah, he gets eaten by a monster. <laughs> I love how, um, what's his name? Soren. Arya? Is that is that yeah. his name? Arya. I love how he. Arya? Okay. Arya Carey. Um, yeah. I love how he is like, like, he gives him her head for some reason, and as he's walking out, he's like, oh, he's gonna fuck this up and he's totally gonna die, but, uh whatever. And then, like, <laughs> 20 minutes later, he's like, knew that was gonna happen. Yeah. <laughs> I liked that a lot. <laughs>
1: um, sorry, you mean, um, Kotomine Cure? Oh. Is that who that's supposed to be? No, but did you not notice that he looks and sounds the exact same <laughs> i okay, you know what
0: now that okay, is it the same voice actor? Yes, okay, because I was hearing him speak, and I was like, "Where have I heard this voice before, and now that you oh, it, it, it's it him also, and guess I, what what well, I mean fucking uh Enjo, whatever his name is is just fucking Shiro visually. And also, it took me a bit to realize, fucking Kiritsugu is Mikia's brother. Or uncle. Is
1: it- Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, He's not his brother, but I know who you mean.
0: Yeah. Like the detective dude. Yeah. Oh, also, I like the reveal that every time Toko's talking about her cop informant, it also happens to be that guy. (laughs) Yeah. That was cute. And I don't think either of them know that, like, the other person knows
2: him. I don't know
0: if that
1: ever gets proud
0: of. I don't think it does. I don't think they know.
1: <laughs>
0: Which is funny.
1: Also, Mikia's sister is a combination of uh Rin. Rin and the sister in Tsukihime. Oh god. Uh let's we'll get to her later.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah yeah, five is fucking weird. Um I liked it.
1: I feel like I don't fully get it. Maybe maybe a second viewing? Yeah. Like, I, maybe you're looking for too much, though. Because a lot maybe. of what people like about it is just, like, it's the cool shit. Yeah. Like, um, Shiki gets to be cool, uh, Toko gets to be cool. There's a lot of really good lines. The idea now, of be... the
0: apartment is red as fuck.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's so cool.
0: Um... It just felt like there was a lot in there that I was just not fully grasping for some reason.
1: It's an experimental film, for sure. Yeah. Um, but, like, the stuff with, like, uh, like, there's a lot of big emotional and cool lines and, like, Toko telling him that he made a mistake and it's like, oh, I should have put her in a box of concrete. Yeah. Which, to be fair, she probably could have also gotten out of, but hey, it's a cool line. Okay,
0: what the fuck is the deal with the sword? the sword. So remember Tomoe's big thing is like, he's bringing that ancient sword to Shiki. Yeah. And I don't get why that sword is important.
1: I don't think there was any particular reason why it was important. He was just bringing her this. I need mean, so I didn't get to I didn't get to five in my current rewatching, but I've seen it a couple of times. But also and too, that's, that's... that sword was like a, a magic thing, though. Yeah,
0: because I know there's a point where like she first gets it, and Toko's like, "Don't open that up in here. It'll break everything." Like I have magically barrier wise mm-hmm. in here or something. So I was like, "Oh, what what what's the deal with the sword?" and then like it kind of doesn't get brought up again.
1: <laughs> yeah, maybe and maybe like it's I'm there, funny, but but I think it's more just like, hey, she's gets this cool sword in this one, which may be part of the thing of like maybe you're looking for more than there is.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh Soren's motivation is one of the worst villain motivations of all time and I super love it. Uh but it's it's the Type moon
1: motivation.
0: Yeah, it, it's, I hate that people die meaninglessly, so I'm going to kill everyone and record their deaths so they have meaning, and no more people can die meaninglessly.
1: (laughs) In case people don't know, 95% of the mages in Type Moon Universe are doing whatever they're doing to try to reach the, like, root. Or Origin. They called it a bunch of different things. The Akashic I, Record. The Akashic Record. The fucking swirl spiral of root slash origin slash vortex in one of them. Um, a lot of that is built into there. And this is one of the few times we get to see, like, hey, here's this full plan that almost worked. If it wasn't for one thing. Yeah. Um... Also, I don't know if the uh subs you were using made it super clear. Um the counterforce or deterrent force
0: that's whatever the thing Archer's part of, right? That is the thing that Archer is part of. They called face. it counterforce and I just kind of assumed.
1: Okay, because some subs use, like, deterrent for force, or, like, deterrence, you know? Okay. Wh- which doesn't make it as clear about, like, because Archer called himself a counter-guardian. No, it was super called counter-force.
0: I'm pretty sure they also used the term guardian, and I think both of those terms were in capitals, like, capitalized. <laughs> so, yeah. So, it, I I got it right away. Okay. And I That's also, what, like, I, I also yeah. was not expecting that, and I was like,
3: oh, hey, it's the thing.
0: Yep. Like, not gonna lie, I kind of just assumed that that was the thing that, like, was invented to give Archer a backstory, and I was like, oh, shit, no, that was in here already. That was kind of cool yeah. to see.
1: That, that's part of what I like about dumb interconnected universes, you know?
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, also, uh, katanas are cool.
3: Yeah.
0: I also love how, like, Shiki kind of, like, gets eaten by the floor. And it's like, oh, no, part of the movie is, like, we gotta get Shiki back.
1: Yeah. And then she did, but I also, so I also do like how, like, no one really had to do anything. She would have gotten out. Yeah, like, <laughs> they get there, and it's like, oh, uh, like, nah,
0: it's, I, I would have broken out at some point, and it's like, oh. Yeah. Nice.
1: There's a lot of, like, that was a waste, but. <laughs> yeah. I really like that movie a lot. It's a lot of fun. It's a, uh, it's a weird one. So,
0: Karno Kyokai 6... Piece of garbage. ...is my second least favorite. I think I might prefer it a little bit more than 4. I
1: certainly... I, I like 4 a fair bit. I the, 6 is the only one, and to be fair, I haven't seen the newer one, so maybe. But as of now, 6 is the only one I can say that I actually just don't like.
0: Um, I think it's one. it's definitely one of the weaker ones. Um, I dig the fight scenes? Um... I hate Mikiya's sister, and also... What a terrible character that does not need to exist. That, and also, like, man, I really didn't want incest in here.
1: No, it's gotta be in there, though, because, hey, it's anime.
0: I hate how they're like, oh, why do you love your brother? And she goes, I love things that are taboo. And it's like, oh, that's...
1: You see, her origin is taboo, Rasa.
0: Really? Yes! fuck off
1: it's so dumb i hate it
0: and part of me hey. was thinking throughout the movie like oh the villains are gonna use that against her and be like yo that's fucked or like no it everyone is super okay by the end that he that that she wants to fuck her bro or at least they kind of just like you're like ah it's fine and it's like yeah. no that's controversial it feels opinion. Like... incest is
1: bad
0: especially oh, in
1: it feels like this entire movie is there to give an excuse of just, like, well, we needed to have something with her, his sister in it. Oh, you super didn't, though. You super didn't. I, okay, so, like, I, I've i had this conversation with people, and they're like, well, no, movie six is totally important because it's where she regains the memory of what happened on that night. Fuck that. You can cut this entire movie and miss nothing. Yeah, honestly. Hey, every rerot I've ever done, I've skipped it.
0: Also that villain, like the true villain, not not the one girl. So actually that that's one thing I will say will say, the student who's being manipulated by the actual like threat of this movie, I like her character a lot. Okay, I I barely remember it at this point. But... Her thing of like her friend died by like a drug overdose after like her sort like or not drug overdose but like she went through like bad drug withdrawal thing that like eventually led to like some shit happening and she she's like deflecting that blame onto the rest of the class, like, "Oh, no one noticed, and no one was there for her when she needed her most and then fucking meekuss sister goes back at her like, "Hey, you're her fucking best friend. If anyone should have been there for her, it should have been you, so you killing everyone because of that is stupid like so hypocritical, and I was like, okay, that's that's a cool villain motivation." Um, But the actual fairy-mancer dude is, like, literally, he's there. He's like, yeah, Soren called me once, but I guess he's dead now, so I'm just kind of here to fuck with people. And it's like, oh, that's kind (laughs) of...
1: Yeah, so one thing I will say, um, I haven't looked super into it myself because I didn't care, but I do know that uh, this is the movie that made the most changes from the novel. Uh Uh, Apparently the novel um, 6 had a longer part in it, and it was a lot deeper, apparently a lot darker, had a couple of really fucked up things in it. And apparently, um, that guy dies at the end instead of just vanishing and is to never be seen again. Oh. Yeah. So, like, there are a couple of people who are like, hmm, why'd they change this one? But, uh, yeah.
0: <laughs> the fairy designs are kind of weird.
1: Yeah.
0: Um,. But yeah, it was my second least favorite one. Sounds like you don't like that one at all.
1: I don't. It doesn't justify its existence, and it's just there to have more lol anime incest. Yeah, like...
0: Yeah, that... that
1: really and hey, Tsukuhimi has that shit, too. And it's like, uh... alright, I get it, man. You're You're pandering to an audience, but...
0: <laughs> yeah, it felt super,
1: like, otaku
0: bait, and like, no, no, thanks... And, like,
1: yeah. that sucks
0: because we're, like, movie six into a, like, multi- like, seven or eight part thing where, like, they super haven't done that before, really, you know? Like,
1: yeah, it, it it's we didn't so need that. off-tone. Like, think about, like, the tone of five moving into the tone of six, and it's like, what the fuck are you doing? Hey, I watched them back-to-back. It was weird. <laughs> yeah. Especially when you followed up with seven. Uh,
0: I really like seven,
1: Okay.
0: I was worried at the start because when I saw that the antagonist is blonde, cheeky doppelganger, I was like, "Okay, this is a little wacky." Um, but they totally won me over. All
1: right, so yeah, seven is like probably my second or third favorite. Probably my second favorite after five, honestly, because I I rewatched it today before the call just because it's been a while since I watched that one. Because normally in my rewatches, I fall off around five. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, yeah, I like Seven a lot. It's a very different tone film. Like, the pacing is slow, you know?
0: It took me a bit to internalize until they actually bring it to the table in Seven that, like, Shiki's whole thing is she loves murder, and she has killed one person.
1: She has killed one person? That honestly doesn't even count? Because at that point he turned himself into, like, a weird building? Yeah. And they they even say that in the movie too, like he <laughs> they, did it out. See, that was the
0: thing that was bo- bothering me. I was like, did I miss? Like, did I like blink and miss something in five? Because they're talking about how like she hasn't killed anyone yet, but she super killed Soren, and then like he go like like I think it was Mikia's, like yeah, Soren doesn't count. He was like a monster. And it's like oh, uh, okay. And I mean, yeah. I guess that's weird too with the novel version of six then, where if she killed that one guy, she doesn't. Oh, she doesn't in that either? Okay. Yeah, one of his students does. Oh, okay. Okay. But yeah, um...
1: Man, what a fucked-up weird-ass villain. Also, to be Okay, so you know what? This might be something, too, that was lost in the translation, too. So, this is getting into some epilogue stuff. My understanding is that in the novels, um, when she wakes up in 5, it might actually be void cheeky the the one you see in the epilogue
0: the third one yeah okay
1: so that might also be part of that
0: oh, okay
1: which i i haven't checked myself but apparently they said like in the novels that that it was kind of implying that it wasn't the one that we know huh okay yeah because that like and, and in also in like future stuff like in Fate grand order the version of her with the sword and the outfit from 5 is the one from the epilogue.
0: Okay, so you... And by by that one, wake up, you mean, like, for the final fight? Yeah, the final fight. Okay, okay, making sure.
1: Yeah. Which does not come across in the movie at all. No, it As a matter of fact, I, I, I think they might have just not done that in the movie. But in the I novels, that might be the case. Yeah,
0: I think that they totally didn't bring that up at all in that, so...
1: Yeah, so that might be so yeah, there's some weird changes like that apparently.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, yeah, no, I I just really dug it.
1: Such a dark, slow movie. Yeah. Um, but like the the tone is so I don't want to say bleak, but it it it, it feels so like. There's something in the pit of your stomach or something. I don't know how to put it. Yeah, I feel like
0: it has the best character drama.
1: Yeah, for sure. Hey, it's the first time Miki is a real character. Yeah. Also, it's a sequel to the second one. Yep.
0: Yeah, I love how it took took us this long to get to Murder Investigation Part 2.
1: But it is very much Part 2, because the murder's picked back up. Yeah, um, that's actually something that I was curious about. Why did
0: he stop? I didn't catch that. Um. Uh,
1: let me think. Uh, so, the main thing is, I think, he was doing the drug shit? Or maybe he was killing people, but not in the same way. Okay because like the people yeah i, I don't know cuz the, the the main thing is like the serial murders that the people are reporting on the news he's doing in a particular way to draw her out yeah but they do make a point to say that he has to kill people so i think he probably still was but i'm not sure mhm
3: um
1: i love how uh
0: this is the point in the movie where like or like in the series where i i love how fucking uh, Ariah just kind of, like, is the source of everything, even yeah. post-death. Well, I mean, like, I mean, to be fair, like, they, they, he obviously contacted the villains of 6 and 7 before he died in 5, but, like, I love yeah, how he uh, is yeah. the tie that
1: binds all of these threats together. <laughs> it, it's such an interesting thing, which is kind of what I was trying to get at when I said, like, 5 is the end point. Uh, Araya is the last boss, but the last two movies are dealing with the people that, like, are left over from him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, Araya almost ends the world. The other two are just kind of, like, serial killers, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I do like- lo- man, so one of my favorite things is the fact that Leo is built up through the whole fucking series. He's there from the beginning. Yeah. And that's part of the reason why I like chronological order, because he's not in one, but if you start with two, he's in the first ten minutes of two. Yeah. And, like, he's got a couple of scenes in two, and then they bring him back in the post-credit scene of four, and the post-credit scene of six, and it's, like, all building up to that final thing. And it it works really well when you watch it chronologically like that.
3: He was uh, interesting...
1: Yeah, he's an interesting one. A little goofy?
0: Yeah, like, at first I was like, I don't know how I feel about this guy. He's a little too wacky. Like, it's it's just really wacky seeing, like, blonde, cheeky, mirror match fight, and then, like, they slowly
1: won me over on him. As he's, like, flipping all around the place. You know what won me over with him is, like, I enjoyed the dumb, like, flipping all around mirror match thing, but then to follow it up with him having, like, a really low key conversation with Mikia is like. Mm. So good. And, like, yeah. his arm
0: is just gone. Yeah. I also love how Soren has that cheesy line at the end of six where he's like, ah, one letter off from Lion.
1: How yeah. sad. <laughs> it's so dumb. Yeah. Which makes it even dumber when some subtitles make it Rio and not Leo. Oh,
3: that's bad. It's like, mmm. Uh, yeah, that was... One letter off
1: from being a lion. (laughs) And then on 7, when they're watching the TV, they're, to describe how he's like an animal to lion on the TV. Oh, yeah, that too.
0: Um, yeah, I dug it.
1: Yeah, um, some uncomfortable stuff towards the end. That boy has a lot of saliva in his mouth. That was too
0: much saliva. Too much. Okay, so that was also a thing too, where <sighs> they started like, uh, fuck, it's a spoiler cast. It's like, so she's handcuffed in a very like bondage position. Yeah. And he starts to like salivate over her in a very suggestive manner, including like v- uncomfortably close to her, like inner thigh and shit. And I'm like, oh, that's creepy and like forcefully suggestive sort of thing or whatever, and, like, then he kept going, yeah. and there's a point where his mouth is just on her tits, and I was like, oh, I didn't think you guys would go that far. Um, really?
1: After three?
0: <laughs> yeah, but, like, here's the thing with that, like, I kinda was surprised that they were gonna do that with Shiki. Yeah. Because, like, that one, it's, like, oh, it's, like, edgy, like, tragic backstory to the villain of movie three. But then, like, they just went all in for, like, oh, this is how fucked this dude's, dude is towards Cheeky. Like, and that was, like, oh, it kept going. Um, yeah, that was, uh, that was a little much.
1: I I will yeah it is a bit much it also really gross in a lot of ways that scene yeah um I will say too though that like I think part of that is to make you feel uncomfortable because Shiki is such a powerful character yeah and to see her put like that is intentionally unpleasant I do
0: think it's handled better than any of the shit in three
1: it is and part of that is the fact that also super not touched on, but, like, I think it's implied that he drugged her beforehand. Yeah. Because there's, like, syringe laying next to her and they zoom in on it and stuff well, and like, she's kind of out of it. Like, he- his whole
0: thing is he's, like, a drug dude.
1: Yeah, drug man. Yeah. He, yeah, he That's, drugs me here right after her. Yeah. Um. But, like, it, it- it's almost treated as, like, an internal drama for her, too, because even in that state- she could get out of it yeah and she's struggling with not wanting to kill him mhm or wanting to kill him so it that it was handled weirdly it, but it was done in a way where it didn't really take away her power and you could believe why this was happening yeah but it was also very intentionally uncomfortable.
0: And they also didn't tie in supernatural bullshit as much as, like, they did with the one in three, which I appreciated. Like, Yeah, no, they didn't at th- all. This was more like, this dude's a piece of shit and has a very creepy infatuation that he took too far.
1: Yeah. Um, I do also, so, I, there's, I, one thing that I don't think the movie really personally touches on at all... But there's a bit where he tries to, like, paint himself as sympathetic, because he's like, yeah, Arya woke my origin and fucked me over. But they never really draw attention to the fact that his first murder was before that.
0: Not only was his first murder before that, his first murder is before that, and he also finishes that murder by eating them. Yep. <laughs> so. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's fucked. Um, I like the note it ends on, so I think the epilogue justified it for me way more, but there was a little bit of me towards the end that was kind of like, I kind of almost wonder if Mikia should have stayed dead.
1: Yeah, I I, I can see that.
0: But, like, I kind of turned on that a little bit as it went on and wrapped up, but there's... I was kind of like, oh, that's kind of a cop-out a little bit, but then they sort of justified it towards the end enough for me to
1: care enough, so... So, for what it's worth, with the way the shot was filmed, I never believed he was dead? I kind of wondered. But
0: also, like, I would have been like, it would make sense if he went out. But... Yeah. Um... I got nothing else on 7.
1: Yeah, just a very dark, kind of bleak movie that ends on a decent note. It would have been a decent end to the series. Yeah. But it wasn't.
0: So, that 30-minute epilogue OVA thing.
1: Tucked away in the Blu-ray box set.
0: Um... (laughs) A lot more exposition than
1: I actually thought. Completely recontextualizing, recontextualizing, whatever, the main character. Yeah, I wasn't expecting her to kind of all but a
3: name be God.
1: Yeah. Uh, wow. So, so, to be fair, the one that we know is not. Yeah. But the one that we know was created by one that is. Yeah. So, so what I love about it, again, as a dumb type moon geek, is that we finally get to see what it is like if someone actually gets to the root. Yeah. And they become whatever they want to be. Yeah. But she is so powerful and has access to so much knowledge that she doesn't care.
0: Not only that, but she's, like... I could rewrite reality but like what's the point?
1: Yeah. Also, so I don't I don't remember if the epilogue even tries to explain this. I don't know how they would, but her name is a blank character space. Nice. Um it's apparently pronounced void if it were to be pronounced, but it's just a blank space. Because she has nothing. If so, she's
0: empty. I want to make sure that I'm getting this right. Okay. So that Shiki is the personification of the Spiral of the Root itself?
1: Maybe. It's, maybe. It is someone who is connected with it in a way that... So uh, apparently the way the Spiral of the Root works is that if you're connected with it on that level there is no real difference between whether you're connected to it or you're part of it or it's part of you.
0: Okay, or you are it in this case, Or you are it, yeah. Um, Because I was watching that and I went, huh, because it makes sense because, like, they keep saying, like, oh, Shiki, your origin is nothingness. And then there's the scene in 7 where Toko explains the whole thing with the root is that we all come from nothing. Like, we all originally start from nothing and the very first essence of us is our origin yes but our true starting point is a blank slate and then i like that connected those two dots together where it's like huh if you think about it then that means in in a way shiki is nothing but that also makes her the start of everything yeah like she is kind of the universe pre big bang like she contains everything that you need for reality which is kind of hard to wrap your head around but i dug it
1: in a weird like metaphysical contemplative way <laughs> but because of that being her nature she has no emotion towards it yeah and at that point there's no re- there's there's no reason for it
2: Yeah. Because
1: she has no personality of her own. Uh, Not only that, too, but just, like, I love how, like, we
0: learned that she was the one who wanted to kill Mikia. Yeah. And they kind of imply it's because, like, she is pissed off in a way that, like, he doesn't want to do anything special like humans tend to do. Like, he wants to just blend in and be normal and live a normal life and take what he has for granted. Yeah. And she can't comprehend that because, like, her thing is, like, why wouldn't you want to try to, like, do something massively important or, like, be influential and, like, do all these things. And, like, and they kind of imply that's, like, from a point of envy because she's so nothing. Yeah. Which is super interesting. Um, Also, going back to, like, that whole, like, oh, I could change reality thing, I also love, I think this gave the most, like justified thing of like a dr manhattan-esque character ever of an argument against that where she goes if i change reality so that things are better will we really ever have known in the first place that things were worse than in the first place to be able to be like oh things are better now like, there's no meaning to the fact things are better if we didn't know what was bad already to begin with. And it's better to just stick with what we got and, hey, try to do better. <laughs> yeah. Like, within our own reality. So I was like, huh. <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> like.
1: Also, side note, want to give major shoutouts to that voice actress for making the same character sound like three different characters. Yeah, that I I wondered
0: if that was the same person. Yeah.
3: So, in the, the first time that he saw her, in that same road, in that snowy,
0: like mountainside, they're implying that that was the version.
1: I think so. Yeah, I, th- I think that's the case. There. He okay. she met her once before. Yeah.
0: yeah. Well, yeah, because they state like she she saw something like "thanks for not telling either of them about me." I think yeah
1: right, so, something like that
0: yeah, yeah. That was we also that I just want to say, God, that movie is just beautiful. Like or like OVA is just beautiful. Like the yeah. animation, the snow, it's so good.
1: Yeah, I mean they all look good in different ways, but that one definitely is. It's a very most to me. Yeah, and
0: also when the logo comes in at the end, it was like awe inspiring. <laughs> Nice, nice. And the credits are just over the snowy, like, cityscape. Oh, so good.
1: I will say, too, like, it it is such a, like... For people that are into that side of, like, Type Moon, it is super important and cool. But, yeah, it could be an epilogue because it doesn't really matter to the story of the series itself. Yeah. And, like, the fact that there is this original Shiki that created a personality within herself that is the one we know doesn't change anything about the one we know you know yeah and it it, like it doesn't ruin anything or really change anything that came before it it's just here's this new major revelation for you yeah um yeah i kind of
0: dug how it was just a 30 minute like walk and talk
1: yeah yeah nasu likes those
0: I'm down with it if it's interesting enough and I think it I think it was pretty good. Yeah. So overall then. Okay, so overall. I feel like Karno Kyokai if it was tightened up in a few places, mostly with four and six, could be my favorite type moon thing, but here's where I think I'm at. I think I'm at zero is slightly above Karno Kyokai. Mm-hmm and then Unlimited Blade Works is a little bit below both of those.
1: I can agree with that. I I think that's pretty uh, accurate to my feelings as well. I love Karano Kyoukai a lot, um, but it is definitely messy in places.
0: I think (laughs) I like... Okay. I think I like Karano Kyokai more than Zero in the sense that I feel more of a personal engagement and attachment to Karano Kyokai. Like... Shiki is one of my favorite like anime protagonists ever now. Like she's yeah, she is great. She is awesome and hey,
1: like such a great character,
0: you know? Like honestly, yeah, she is up there for me and just yeah, like honestly just in terms of protagonists now, she is so interesting. I I really dug it. Um but like just in my heart of hearts, I know Fate Zero is just a better made production, you know. Yeah, yeah, so but, yeah, I really enjoyed it, and, like, hey, like I don't regret saying it, but, like, other than movie six, of course, I wish more anime was like this.
1: Yeah. you. Oh, yeah, you implied something was gonna come up again. Oh, yeah. Um, I love how, like,
0: two days after I watched Blade Runner 2049, and had all of these deep like almost too deep and too personal thoughts about like the importance of memories and like the merits of treasuring or wanting to discard uh, memories from your childhood. Uh, I watch *Karno Kyokai 6 which one of the major plot beats is a character who is really uh. distraught over the fact that she can't remember the exact moment she realized she was into incest. Mm. <laughs> kind of a mood whiplash.
1: Yeah, a little bit, huh? This is like, oh... No, it's that, fine, it's her origin.
0: No, oh, yeah, Incest is the origin.
1: Hey, you know that Shiro's origin is? Sword? Yeah. You,
0: you told me that one before.
1: That's great.
0: <laughs> I still like K- Kiritsugu's cutting <laughs> <Yes>. and tying.
1: <laughs> yes.
0: Uh... Do you
1: feel like you know what origins are now, at
0: least? Well, like, I kind of got the idea from Zero already. But
1: now it's, like, a thing. Yeah. Yeah. I like that interconnected world and world-building lore. Yeah. Yeah, Like, honestly, yeah, (coughs) like, that's the thing I'll say about Nasu.
0: (coughs) That world-building, fantastic. Like, the whole magic system, how everything works... Love it to death. I, I wish he was a bit better of a plotter. And
1: and that's probably why Zero works so well, because that's got someone else doing the, like, yeah. nitty-gritty in the plot. Yeah. Um, well, it's got his world behind it.
0: His characters are very hit and miss for me.
1: Um,
0: One thing I will give him with his characters and themes, he doesn't go for the generic anime stuff in a lot of cases. Like, He has very, I almost want to say, almost too specific of subjects that he wants to discuss that are very interesting, but partially make me wonder, like what happened in your life to make you want to make (laughs) this and talk about this specific thing? Like, almost to a point where it's like, I feel like this is applicable to maybe no one, you know? It's very specific, and I I I like it for that, just as a curiosity.
1: So... I'm I'm glad we've reached this point where you're saying this because now you can understand why I was a little sad when you started the Tight thing and went, yeah, his characters are just generic anime stereotypes with Rin and how Shira was presented at first. See, cause and I was like, oh, but there's more to his character
2: sometimes.
0: There, there are, but like, man, I stand by. Oof, that's a bad first two to start with.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean it. Hey, Fate Unlimited Blade Works isn't the best in Type moon. Yeah, but it's fine. We're here now. Yeah, you read notes. You're
3: in there. Time to read Tsukihime.
1: Mm, maybe wait
3: to see if that remake pans out. <laughs> okay, time to read Witch on the Holy Night."
1: So I want to talk about that for a moment. Oh, oh God! What can of worms did I open? So did I reach I... the root? You reached the root of Zach's origins. Oh, so my my origin is, is your origin. To read... Shit! <laughs> wow, <laughs> wow. So which on the holy night? I I I've... I want to read that so bad, and it makes me so angry that it will like apparently never get a fan translation. Oh, it's not fan. Oh, no! It came out like years and years ago, and they've not translated it. Oh. Yeah, there were like two projects that started that both didn't go all the way, and both of them were questionable at first anyway. Nice. Um, that's frustrating, really frustrating to me, because between Karen Kokai and Tsukihimi, I like the Awazaki sisters a lot. And I want to read their story, because I've been getting hints of it from the beginning. <laughs> So, hey, what?
0: So wait, so so which on the Holy Knights related to, like, Toko and her sister?
1: Toko's the villain! Oh. The sister is the main character! Oh, that's real good. You know the part in Karen or Kyokai where they go, where, where Alba is talking about her and he's like, she oh, only she... entered the association to, to get, get revenge. revenge on her sister. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, hey, hey, guess what? That. That story's told in Witch on the Holy Night!
3: Ah, oh, that's so good.
1: I want to read it! <sighs> oh, well. Also, I- I've seen the, like, pictures of, like, the events of how that game goes, because I wanted to look at them. And, like, they do a super cool thing about the other, like, Toko sister's hair... Where they were like, how come her hair is brown when it's supposed to be red? Hey, they do a really cool thing with that. Nice. Anyway. Yeah, also Toko has, like, short hair that's not red at all in that one. <laughs> anyway, tight moon.
0: Yep. I I actually do want to read Tsukihime at some point, but I, I think I should probably just bite the bullet and, hey, I should maybe actually read the Fate visual novel.
1: At least read *Heaven's Feel*. Yeah. yeah. I'll give
0: I'll give Fate and Unlimited Blade Works at least an honest
1: shot. Yeah, but if you get bored with those, Just at least move read *Heaven's
3: on. Feel. Yeah.
1: Um. So I I don't like we've talked about Tsukahime a little bit. Like that is one that like hey that's one of the first visual novels I ever read when I was really like young and stupid. Yeah. Um. I don't know how well it holds up now at all. I barely remember anything from it except like yeah, I'm sure it's really rough and I I know I remember a lot of weird questionable shit and like I know that's another one that gets kind of rapey. It gets kind of rapey. It gets kind of incesty depending on which route you want to do. Uh, um why not? I, st- <laughs> guess what one of the routes is? The sister route. Yeah. Oh. Um, that being said, I also do remember some really cool shit that I know I would still like. And it's another reason why, man, he's been working on a remake for like 10 years now. And it's like, bro, just do it. I remember hearing about the fact that Hime was getting a remake when I was like a teenager. You know what excites me the most about the potential remake? What? So here's the thing about Nasu, man. Like... So Tsukihime and Fate Stay Night were published as, like, hentai visual novels with a bunch of unnecessary sex scenes added in. Yeah, because that's, it, as, as visual novels
0: often got released back in the day.
1: Yeah, because it was like, hey, that was the genre, and, like, was his artist was like, no, we gotta do this. The minute, like, Fate Stay Night brought him that level of success, he started moving away from that and, like, Which on the Holy Night doesn't have any sex scenes in it. And when people were like, hey, so the Tsukihime remake, it's going to have the sex scenes, right? He was like, oh, I'm not super decided on that yet. We'll see how that goes. So, like, I'm thinking it's not going to have them. And that's going to, at the very least, improve that a significant amount. Yeah. So, Yeah. But that'll never come out, and if it does come out, it won't get translated. So I'll just stop caring. Nice. Yep. No, we're just gonna keep getting more Fate Extella. Yeah. Zach, did you find the Umbral Star yet? Rosin, the problem is that you can only podcast once in your life. Oh. But I've already podcasted before. That means that you're an animal. You're Uh, a podcast animal.
0: My origin is bad endings. (laughs) We still have emails, though. Yeah, so bad endings is avoided for now. Don't worry, your origin will awaken eventually. Oh, no. Okay, let's re... Fresh this pupper. Okay. This first one is from Emma. Hey, and Zach, love the show. Wondering if you're ever gonna get any women on. So I wanna... I wanna talk about this. Rosman? Yeah. Um, this has been something that's bothered me since the, like, COS days. Um... Because, like, I've I've legit tried, because this has been a thing that I've also, like, have noticed as a problem. <laughs> um, I've really, really wanted to get more women, like, in just female voices in general, involved with, like, my whole, like, podcasting thing. Uh, problem is, is that all of, like, the, like, women that I'm, like, personally friends with enough to have, like, on and invite on as a guest or whatever... Um, because, like, we, we just really don't do the thing of, like, oh, yeah, get random Joe Schmo you know what I mean? Like, it's people that we follow on Twitter or have, like, rapport with at some level, you know? Um, like, we're not, like, some big, like, news podcast e- either that can get people into, like, you know, talk about, like, new shit or whatever, because we don't really do that anymore either. Um, so, like, yeah, I've asked a bunch of, like, the women in my life if, like, hey, if you want to be on a podcast, do fun stuff. Uh, and the answers have always been either, like, "Ah, I'm not really that interested, or just don't want to do it, uh, and the, or the second one is, uh, that, like, they're just kind of worried about putting themselves out there. Which, you know, hey, wanna respect Can't blame them! Yeah, yeah, especially, like, with how game culture climate shit is, like... It sucks, but like, I don't want to force anyone to do something they're not comfortable with. And like, I, you know, well, like, I would never do that. So, um, but like, yeah, it's, it's legit like a thing that I've actually worried about a lot over the years because it's like, I don't want to make it look like I'm actively trying to avoid that or whatever. It's just literally like, I really want to, but like, hey, people have concerns and I want to respect that for now. So, I'm sorry.
1: (laughs) I feel bad about it. Maybe if the internet was a less shitty place towards women, they'd be more comfortable putting themselves out there, huh? Yeah, and, like, to be honest, too,
0: like, even back in the COS days, like, that was one of the whole, like, oh, hey, like, I'm a college kid kind of understanding the world more. Like, hearing concerns like that from a lot of the women I really, like, look up to and trust and stuff about how it's like, hey, I don't want to put myself out there and, like, that, like was kind of eye opening for me and it was like oh yeah like we're kind of in a fucked up place right now if that's you know what i mean so mm-hmm. um yeah stuff sucks but like no yeah. honestly like i i would really like to get more female voices involved with my podcast type activities Zach your thoughts
1: uh yeah, same. Yeah. I mean, honestly, honestly what else is there to say? <laughs> yeah, no, like we we both like, you know, had hopes at one point or another, but it always falls through, so. Yeah. Like honestly, too, it's one of those things where it's like, man, I really
0: want to fucking try my hardest to make this like a not shitty place on the internet. I mean, I <laughs> talked about this a little bit last episode, too, and it's like
2: yeah.
0: I hope at least I've done that to the best of my ability, but, you know, I mean, yeah, there's yeah. always room for improvement, and there are regrets, so...
1: Yeah. I, I super value the idea of, of, like, one of the things I love about the internet is, like, g- getting different opinions and hearing different voices, and, like, I, I think that it's really, really good to get as many different, like, people in as you can and, like, that, so that yeah. that is, like... Something that would be nice.
0: Hey, like, now that I think about it, I think one of the cooler things is if you take into account everyone who's been on WAF, I think, like, I mean, just as guests and stuff, I think we've had more non-white people than white people, so that's cool, at least. But. I
1: mean, the two hosts are white, so it kind of, yeah, that, a little yeah. Bit. yeah <laughs> but, that's... yeah, most of the guests, well, because, like, our, our, our group like,
0: of friends is very diverse, honestly. Yeah, the group of friends, like. We are the two white guys in our group of
1: friends. Oh, uh, the, the. There's others, but... I, I would say that um, in, in our like our major Skype group, um, there are more non-whites than there are whites. Yeah. Which is good. Yeah. So, yeah.
0: I'm sorry, Emma. I hope we live up to your expectations. <laughs> um, And, like, honestly, like, I've been reached out to about that, like, back in the COS days. I know there's a lot of people that are like, hey, they're cool, like, SMT lady people. And, like, honestly, like... If that show had gone on longer, I totally would have reached out to a lot of them. But, the show
3: ended. Rip. And, Um, to
1: be fair, like, no one should want to associate with Wasp.
3: Yeah, honestly.
1: So, like, yeah.
0: Thanks for the email, though, though, Emma. And, like, honestly, like, not, not, like, I I want to be, like, upfront with everyone listening to the show. If, like, y'all have concerns or, like, shit like that, like, feel free to, like, send that shit in, because we want to hear it, so... Um, this next one is from Cole and he says what's the most disappointing thing in your favorite piece of media um hmm uh hmm so I, I guess probably like Mother 3 and Dark Tower are the two for me Dark Tower I'ma just say books 5 through 7 have some not great shit in them in terms of just kind of being poorly written Um, book six is really bad. Hey, recurring theme. Um, part sixes are hard. Um, and Mother 3, I feel like the Magypsies are characters that are, like, made... To be, like, they're important characters to the plot that are made to be, like, stereotypical of, um, non-gender conforming identities for laughs, and also, like, haha, gypsies magic, and it's like, mm, that's not great.
1: Um, so the question is, disappointing thing in favorite media? Yeah. Um, so you're, you're taking that as, like, a, uh... Like, you're personally disappointed that they went with this type of content?
0: Well, that for Mother 3, but, like, I was thinking more, like, disappointing quality-wise
1: for Dark Tower. Okay. I've got a weird one. Okay. Um, because I was trying to think. Like, when people say, like, hey, favorite media, a couple of things hop in my head. Yeah, uh,
0: for me it's Dark Tower, Mother 3, so I went with those.
1: Yeah, uh, like, Silent Hill 2... Pops up in my mind. And, like, I could probably, if I went with, like, a marker, like, like you know, microscope, find things about that that I would want to change. But, um, in terms of, like, disappointments, so, uh, Yumi Neko Nonaku nakukorori um, Gesundheit. also called Yumi Neko When They Cry, is an eight-part visual novel thing that is one of my favorite pieces of media for a lot of reasons. Um, there's a lot of goofy shit in there that probably doesn't need to be in there as fluff kind of but I'm fine with it the only thing I would say is that they do a last minute twist at the very end that I would have really preferred them not to do I like the story a lot more without it
2: Um,
1: I I still love that story that they tell in there but that has always been one thing in my mind that's like man I would have liked that more without that (laughs) um I'm not going into specifics because I don't want to spoil it, but if you've read Yumi Neko, you know what I'm talking about. If you have 200 hours on hand. For one of my favorite stories ever. <laughs> uh,
0: second question, what's a game slash show that you've gotten far into but ultimately dropped? Uh, Too many to count, honestly. Like, <laughs> being legit.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: Um, there are so many RPGs I just got stuck on, like, the second to final boss or something, and just, like, yeah, fuck it. And I can't even think of any off the top of my head.
1: Let's go recently. Can you think of any recent ones?
0: (sighs) Mm. Honestly, I don't think so. I think recently I'm either finishing shit or just not, like... Like, recently I've been better where it's, like, either I'm just not playing something at all or I'm finishing it. Um, oh, it took me a while to finish Doom just because, like, hey, Alien Isolation Problem, that's a 15-hour game that should have been 10. Mm.
1: Hmm. I dropped uh, Mass Effect Andromeda, but I talked about that already. Um, I've toyed with going back to it, but who knows. Um, I dropped a lot of the DC shows that I got, like, three or four seasons into. Like, I don't watch Arrow anymore. Uh, other than that, yeah, nothing... I'm sure there's a bunch, but those are the more recent ones that pop out to me.
3: Um, I can't think of anything.
0: I feel really bad.
1: Yeah. Uh, like, um... I talked about stuff like Digimon Cyber Sleuth and Trails of Cold Steel in a past episode, and I never went back to them. So,
2: yeah, but I didn't. I
1: didn't like. I only got a couple hours into those, so it's not like Mass Effect Andromeda. I got like in the like last one third and dropped.
3: Yeah.
0: Uh. Also, Dragon Guard LP was great. I might get around to playing that game, but God knows when that will happen. Since I have a giant backlog full of long games, I'd rather play. Yeah, honestly.
1: Yeah, if you watch the LP, you're better off.
2: Tackle on uh, other stuff.
1: Thanks for watching, though. Yep, thanks, Cole. Doing, I had fun doing that LP. Same.
0: oh, this is good. This one's from Neo Yoki Otaro. <laughs> Uh, So he says, Hey, I've been listening to your stuff more or less since the last days of COS, even though I never actually went and interacted in any way, shape, or form until the second that I started writing this email. Uh, so I just wanted to say that I had and still have a great uh, time listening to a lot of your podcast and overall content, so I might as well leave this email as a token of my appreciation for the hours of we're... <laughs> the, <laughs> the, <laughs> the hours of we Cathedral are of Finally Shadows Podcast Battle Tendency, the second Iron-Blooded Runner f- featuring some meme from the Sonic May Cry series you've given to my ears. Um, since this is a thing about questions, I should leave one. So some time ago, I started playing SMT2 right right after SMT1. In parentheses, yes, I'm bringing up that series, sorry, not sorry, even though I kind of already did. Uh, and my mind was blown right into outer space and became a new constellation when I saw that the incredible technological advancement of, one, enemy animations, and two, a map that is not only reliable, but that can also be accessed with the press of one button... Um, is, uh, something they added in... I got kind of lost, so I added that part, but, yeah, that's the gist of it. Um, anyways, thanks for answering if you do, and forgive the mail's length and any rough language, grammar, uh, my non-native speaking ass, and then he finishes up with the language I don't know. <laughs> Keep up the great work.
3: Um... Let's see.
1: SMT2 is a good game.
3: Yeah. Oh, okay, no, sorry, I missed missed a
0: line in there. Uh, Is there any... um, Is there anything you went back to that's, like, older in a series and you were blown away by something that, uh, for today's standards, is kind of insignificant, but when, like, in context, it actually, like, made a super key difference?
1: Hmm... super feel like i had one of these recently and i'm angry that i can't
0: uh you know what i'll say Star Fox one going back to that game is rough as fuck when they added the cursor in to like actually hey you can line up your shots now fucking
1: yeah that's a game changer (laughs) Uh, honestly uh this isn't like as super big but like going back to sonic one where you didn't have the spin dash and moving on to sonic 2 feels
0: so wrong yeah. I love that the mobile port added back in the spin dash. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's so weird, but it's like, yeah, it makes sense. I'm trying to think of more examples.
1: Yeah.
0: I got nothing.
1: I'm doing the thing where I look at myself
0: yeah oh um Metal Gear Solid 1 to Metal Gear Solid 2 where bodies like remain now oh yeah Uh, I appreciate that a lot it just adds that much more depth to like the stealth and I, I
1: dig it a lot Final
0: Fantasy. Yep. That's a video game series.
1: So, I've actually... I've got one. Final Fantasy... in the original, where... if you killed an enemy, but were targeting with someone later on, they would attack an empty spot. Oh, God, yeah, that was the worst. Yeah, the the minute they changed that is when that series became playable. yeah. It's real bad.
0: All right. Yeah, that covers that.
1: You might want to cut out some of that dead air, but yeah. Uh,
0: thanks, Neo Yokiutar. That's a great name. Uh, someone's asking when are you going to do more Gundam versus streams? Probably not streams for a while, but I will record the matches I have with the Waypoint tournament thing with Johnson when we can record them so don't know how long that'll be because I'm not sure how many people that are going to be in that tournament are going to be okay with recording but we'll see
3: um got two more
0: this is from Josh He says, Dear and Zack, was there ever a time when you were younger when you got so scared of a certain aspect of a game that you refused to play it until you got older? Uh, For me, those games were Wind Waker and Shadow the Hedgehog.
1: Hmm, I'm gonna want an explanation.
0: In Wind Waker, I got really freaked out by the first boss, Goma, when I could no longer use, uh, the, um, is it Valu's Tale?
1: Aww. Yeah, I think so.
0: Okay, I never pronounced that word before in my life, I don't think. Um, yeah, Velu's uh to hit it. Uh, didn't know what to do and panicked, uh, all while Goma came right up to Link's face and spewed fire breath. Shadow the Hedgehog was my first GameCube game and it scared me through all the various gun sound effects in the main menu and title screen. It took a couple of years until I was in middle school for me to pick both of them back up and beat them. Not really sure why I found them so scary as a child, but uh th- <laughs> thanks for making waff. I really enjoyed it, and best of luck to both of you whenever uh in whatever you have planned, Josh. Um I can't think of anything that like scared me so much that I didn't play it until I was older. I remember a lot of stuff that scared me that like like I remember like the weird like eel and like water shit in Mario sixty four scared me a lot, but I like kinda powered through it. Yeah, I don't know. I can't. I can't think of anything that made me actually stop playing.
1: So I don't really have any for games.
0: Oh, um, I have a shit ton for movies.
1: Yeah, because like for for games, I, I by the time I was playing anything other than like Mario and Sonic, I was diving into Silent Hill on PS One. You know, um, and like that shit scared me. Don't get me wrong, but I kept going.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: um for movies, what stands out to me i it, it's so these are all gonna sound dumb, but like I feel okay because we opened with Shadow of the Hedgehog
2: mm-hmm.
1: um so two things stand out to me as like really scared me as a kid for some reason, and I had to like try to get away from them. One, I don't remember the exact scene, but my, um, God, uh, never-ending story is what I'm trying to say. Um, there was okay. a scene in that that scared me, and I couldn't watch it. I had to stop. What scene? I think it had something to do with statues that we're talking. Okay,
0: I think I know what you're talking about.
1: I haven't watched the movie since, oh. so I don't know. Um, the next one is going to be really weird. And I have no explanation. I was a weird kid. Mm -hmm. Um, Jumanji.
0: I can get that one.
1: No, probably not what you're going to think of, though. Oh, okay. What, What was it? So what scared me beyond any other thing I can think of as a kid was the plants that wrapped around their legs.
3: Oh, okay.
1: The living plants. Rosin, when I say that movie scared me so bad... I couldn't fall asleep without having a blanket over my legs. Ooh. Cuz I was afraid plants were going to wrap around my legs.
0: Yeah, I I haven't heard that one before. I knew a lot yeah. of kids growing up sure. though that couldn't couldn't watch Jumanji though cuz they got really scared of different shit in that movie.
1: Everything else in that movie was fine, but, but when plants? I when I would try to fall asleep, I would think about those plants and like I couldn't handle it. Like just thinking about the plants scared me.
0: Uh, there was a lot, so, like, my sister really, like, I've talked before on the podcast about how, like, my sister and I would always watch, like, fucking Unsolved Mysteries, and, like, I'd get, like, really scared, because I was, like, honestly probably too young to be watching that shit, and, like, the fucking narrator dude would be like, And to this day, no one ever found the body. If you have any information, I'd be like, ah, and then go run upstairs. Um... Or, like, even better, like, he's been on the... Like, this guy has robbed 80 convenience stores in your state and is, like, number four in the FBI's most wanted list nationally and no one's ever seen him. If you have any information... (laughs) No one's ever seen him. Nope, nope, no one's ever seen him. But, like, there would be shit like that where it would be, like, super close to you. And actually, funny enough, so this is completely unrelated to, like watching it with my sister, but I remember um playing Legos with my cousin when I was about eight years old, and there was some true crime thing on TV, and like it was like a kidnap murder thing that was not too far from where we live. And then they ended it with like and no one ever found him. And like that really disturbed me. And I remember crying and my aunt was super confused as to why, because I was just playing Legos with my cousin. <laughs> I I distinctly remember that memory. Um So yeah, like I remember some old episodes of like unsolved mysteries really getting to me. Not so much like the alien and ghost shit, though like that that stuff did kind of freak me out a little bit, but like the like murderer stuff because I have like this distinct memory of like there being a point as a kid where like I was looking out my window and I just kind of realized like you know like mom and dad are just people
2: oh, yeah. and they
0: can't save you from everything <laughs> like i remember having this realization of like people get murdered and like that just kind of happens sometimes
2: <laughs> yeah
0: um so like a lot of that stuff fucked with me but also other than that i i also remember one when I was way too little for it, and, like, I remember my sister having a bunch of her friends over, and I accidentally went downstairs when I shouldn't have to grab a snack, and I walked into the living room during some horrendous shit going down in Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Uh. and that bothered me enough that, like, and honestly, like probably until I was a little bit older than I'd want to admit, I never watched that movie just because that memory of it was just kind of in there, and every time I thought of that movie I just kind of had, like, bad thoughts. Yeah. Um. But yeah, like, nothing for games. Just, like, horror movies and stuff like that.
1: Yeah.
0: Actually, I had that for places. Um... I distinctly remember one. Oh, God. So here's my problem. I'm remembering a distinct hallway and room that I remember avoiding, like, the plague whenever I was in that building as a kid. I can't for the life of me remember what building it is. Hmm. But I ha- I have this memory of... There are wind chimes on the right-hand side. Oh, wow. And they're, like, connected to a clock. And they would just always kind of slightly sway. And then there were, like, these... Like, the hallway was always dark because there was no natural or artificial light. And there was just these two, like, kind of ominous-looking, like, wooden panel sliding doors into these two bedrooms... And I don't know what building it is, and I can't remember what context, but I remember always avoiding it because I was always like, there's something beyond that panel door. <laughs> and I know I, I had no reason why I thought that, but I just kind of, I remember, I have this vague memory of that.
1: Yeah, hey, that's, that's sounds more than vague.
0: Like, yeah, but like, well, like I say vague because like, I don't remember the context or like what, because like, I feel like it's a building I, you know what, I think it might have been like a relative's like older house they might have had
1: you you should ask your family
0: yeah probably yeah I, I ask your family
1: of... and get back to me on that one
0: yeah I haven't thought about that in like a while yeah so
3: yeah uh thanks Josh I hope you can play Shadow the Hedgehog now actually I don't I mean he said he beat it oh yeah that's true
0: I'm sorry, Josh.
1: <laughs>
0: I yeah, was hey, in middle hey, school. Hey, it's fine. Hey, w- w-
1: me, me, and the other people that have beaten Shadow the Hedgehog need to stick together.
3: I've beaten it.
1: All endings.
3: Yeah, I got the true ending on everything. Hell yeah! I mean, you're not cool until
0: you get all 300 whatever routes.
1: Oh. <laughs> uh... Alright, I guess I better dig out my copy that I don't have anymore.
0: Oh, I have my copy. Who's the true fan now? It's
1: fine, I have an emulated you ever, copy.
0: You ever play the split-screen multiplayer mode for Shadow? Yes. It's shockingly kind of fun.
1: I mean, I, I liked the one in Sonic Adventure 2 Battle more, but sure.
0: <laughs> yeah, that, well, that's inf- infinitely better, but... uh, Paul wants to know, PS4, Xbox One, Switch, or PC... Um, they all have different great things on them and I don't Except know. Except for the
1: Xbox one.
0: Nice. Honestly, I see I kind of feel that way too, but hey. It's a that's that's a thing for people that just aren't us.
1: Yeah, you need to sit down and ask yourself how badly do you want to play Halo?
0: Yeah. And like that's
1: all you've got. Halo, Gears of War, Forza. and Sunset Overdrive.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and Forza. Which, like, hey, Forza is a big thing for some people. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So,
1: honestly, you need to ask yourself whether you want to be a console boy or a PC boy.
0: Yeah. Um, At some point, I realized I'm way too into this, like, medium. That, like, I just want to be part of everything, at least a little bit.
1: Yeah. I, I would say, like, I, like, if, if we're going, like, tier list, uh, I think PS4 is my top, just because it's the one I play the most, it's the one I have the most comfortable time with. Mm-hmm. Um, I think PC is good for that extra level when you want to go, like, a bit beyond into some of the stuff that you wouldn't see on the PS4. And let's be
0: practical, also, emulation helps boost that.
1: Yeah, yeah, of <sighs> course. And then the Switch is the cool new thing. I think they all have their uses. Like, I'm gonna be real here. I really... There's one thing
0: about the Wii U and the Switch I appreciate a lot, where it's like... For... People who have depression can relate to this a lot. When you're just feeling pretty bad on a weekend day, and you just don't want to fucking get up, but you want to have a console-esque experience. Wii U, tablet, and Switch are real fucking good for that, and it's always gonna have a place in my heart, I think, for that. And, like, hey, if I had had, like, an actual Vita, not a Vita TV, I probably would have some sort of love for that, too, in that same way. Um, but I do think PS4 is also going to be my number one, just because, like... It's I just mean, it's my...
1: the benefit with my setup is that I get that with everything, because my bed is sitting in front of a TV that has my PS4 and my PC hooked up to it. Honestly, right now, it might it, that might be different now that my, I
0: have a bigger TV. I just haven't had a... I haven't had a depressive episode since I got my new TV. Wow, that sounds bad and like an advert.
1: So buy the LG
2: TV. Yeah.
0: LG, where's my fucking check? Um, but yeah, next next time I'm feeling like a piece of human shit, I'll let you know. I'll get back to your podcast listeners.
2: This um, is going somewhere.
0: Yeah.
3: Who's the best bay in the Persona series? None of them. Zach, your thoughts? Huh? Who's the best bay in the Persona series? Yeah, that's what I thought.
1: Um. Is a Nami. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> it's a real good pick.
3: <laughs> <It's> so dumb.
0: <laughs> I'm a big fan of MPC Girl Two <laughs> from the from the t- from the Gekko mall <laughs> place. Yeah? I'm just making that up out fucking.
1: You don't say!
0: Yeah. And then mainliner persona. Mainline. Yeah, same.
1: I was about to say they both have... They both fulfill different, like, design, but, like, nah, it's my line.
0: Yeah, like, that's, that's my thing, too. Like Especially
1: after, like, me growing colder on P4 and not feeling as hot on P5. It's, Yeah. yeah. Then again, I didn't like Apocalypse, so we'll see.
0: Yeah, like, same. For basically all those regards, um... The thing with mainline is, like... And, like, the whole mainline versus Persona thing, I think, is kind of stupid to begin with. Um mm-hmm. It really just kind of depends on what you want out of stories. Um When I finish a mainline game, I'm just left with a lot to think about that I don't necessarily feel with Persona other than 3. Um... And, like, just in general, I I like the world-building and, like, the setup of Mainline a bit more and kind of what those focus on. Um, Though I will say, in the past year, um, I get that it's different and you can't exactly make a direct political through-line. Though I'm gonna say, I I haven't particularly been in the mood for, ah, neutrality is the way to go (laughs) stories... (laughs) In a post-2017 American politics world, so...
1: I I never liked that element where it's like, oh, neutrality is the best option. Like, eh. First of all, I never really agreed 100% with that, and also, like, even in the games where it's clearly that's what they're going for, I think it's lame. I also feel like...
0: neutrality was a lot more interesting when in the original SMT, the idea was, hey... You're literally killing everything else so that every like there are barely there's barely anyone left. Yeah. And also the other idea to that was that like Wow, fucking congrats, you maintained the status quo.
1: Yeah. And like
0: What I, a fucking I, hero, you know? Like and like I feel like that's gone from wow fucking ironic clap to congrats you maintained the status quo and it's
1: like no that's not good like uh, I feel Nocturne did it okay uh, SMT4 as much as I love that game yeah they, they didn't get it
3: you know one of my favorite things about uh, about Nocturne's neutral ending
0: what I love the idea that Lucifer has your email address <laughs> Like that's always stuck with me more than anything out of the ending of Nocturne's neutral route is it's like.
3: Uh, does that I'm gonna...
1: mean you have his?
3: Oh shit! That's
0: deep. Yeah. Do you think they still chat?
1: I kind of want to say yes. <laughs> so how's it going? Right? But I so like, I feel like it's the kind of thing where like every once in a while, like Lucifer will send him like some like cryptic, meaningful, deep quote or like thing to say, and Demi Fiend will be like, yeah, man. <laughs> uh, what's up with you though?
0: Demi Fiend sends like the random YouTube click, like, haha, look at, check this
3: out.
1: <laughs> yeah. Like, remind you of anything, and it's like, you know, a picture of, like, him with a friend.
0: (laughs) Nah, fuck it, we're super off point. Demi-Fiend's that kid that goes on r-slash-atheism and forwards all the dank memes to Lucifer. (laughs) Yeah. Lucifer and Demi-Fiend can't shut the fuck up about Rick and Morty.
1: They're they're the only two people in the universe intelligent enough for it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh,
3: that's that. Thanks, Paul. Go team. We did it, we survived. Nineteen yep. years of podcasting. That's not that what that means. Nineteen yep. Why else would this be episode nineteen? episode
2: nineteen
3: episode one nine
1: Epis- yeah but you gotta do it in Roman numerals
3: episode x x i x've already fucked up fuck oh no Oh.
1: <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. Mm. What's a. Hold on. What's a good Karano Kyokai gag we can go out on?
3: I've. podcasted things you people wouldn't believe.
1: Oh! My favorite
3: Arya so- Soren quote. Rabid jokes on fire off the shoulder of Wafp. All these... files will be lost... in time, like... the audience's interest in this joke. Time... Um, to die.
1: But... but, Rosin. What? The... the secret was that my origin was good endings.
3: I don't know what Zach meant by that statement, but I think that he wanted this to end, end more than anything else he's ever wanted to see end before. Man, this isn't even bad. This is just flat, isn't it?
1: Yeah. God. Like, we can't even do the bad endings anymore. Are we washed up? Why do we exist? Just to suffer. Alright, I got it. I know what we can close out on. Oh, okay. I got a confession. Okay. Alright, we're go- we're going in on this one. Okay. Alright? I'm putting myself out there.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I almost said this before and I backed down, but let's go. Mm-hmm. When I was a kid.
3: Oh, God. It, what? What? Just keep going. What? Just keep going.
1: When I was a kid, there was one thing that scared me more than anything else. And it was like, I, I can't explain why it scared me. It just scared me a lot. I would run and scream when I heard it. And it it like, people found it funny. So like, my dad would call me on the phone and just have the sound there, like like be playing it. And I would like scream and, and run away from the phone. And this didn't last very long. Like I like it probably only lasted like a couple of weeks, but like in my mind it lasted forever.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And it was the
2: start